It's come down to this. 100 laps, five to go at the line. Five cars nose to tail heading down into turn number one. It's anybody's race inside for the race. It's definitely crunch time. Somebody's going to have to make a move. Three laps to go as they cross the start finish line. Going down into turn number one. They start to fan out. Coming off a of two, they're side by side down the back straightaway. Inside for the race. That's it. Coming off a of turn four, white flag in the air. Checkers and wreckers. Anybody's races they go down to turn number one. They fan out two by two, three wide. Coming off the turn number two, they get sideways down the back straightaway. Someone breaks loose to the top, trying to make the run up on the high side. Going to do it the hard way around. Coming around four, they're still two by two. Three cars drop back. It's one car coming out sideways. Two's on the inside, coming to the line. It's anybody's race. Inside Florida racing. Inside Florida racing. Inside Florida racing. Inside Florida racing. Inside Florida. Inside Florida Racing. Inside Florida Racing. And welcome to Inside Florida Racing, everyone. I'm CC Brooks, once again joined in the studio with Bonehead. Hey, Bonehead, how's it going? Good. Um, couldn't be better. A little wet day out there. Oh, but it was nice. It was a great day for a rally. <laughs> were, you, were you down at Jermaine guy. Arena today? Huh? Um, no, I wasn't, but... Uh, a very funny guy. Yeah, you know, it was a great day for a rally. What kind of rally, man? Well, it's, it's a great day for a rally. If you're going to have a rally, I didn't see any Democrats rallying today. I saw some Republicans rallying today, but... So, uh... Hey, Jack. Crash, uh, tell us what happened. Crash. <laughs> That's my new nickname. Crash. <laughs> And no, it's not because I crashed anything. It's because I went to the Crash-O-Rama Saturday night at East Bay Raceway Park. And, Th- and they didn't let you drive anything so you could crash it up? No, I didn't ask. No, but they, they're they talking to me about driving something on November 8th. Really? Yeah. What are you going to drive? Uh, they're going to see if they can find Somebody a, crazy. a bomber. A bomber to drive. A four-cylinder bomber? bomber. An O-bomber? Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> And I'm hoping I don't crash it. That's my fear. But anyway, um, it was a great time of the Crash-O-Rama. I had lots of fun. It was the first time I attended a Crash-O-Rama. And uh, it was a hoot. I a love hoot, destruction. I love watching cars and boats getting all torn up. And so that's two weekends in a row that you found yourself in Tampa. Yes. Yes. I like that. East Bay. It's a really nice facility. Um, everybody up there is always really nice to me, Al and Todd. A, vac- and a facility sounds like... A bathroom. Bathroom, yeah. <laughs> every on. time I use that it's word. It's a nice race facility. <laughs> you know, that's I a, use that word all the time in writing, and I always, every time I always think, it sounds like a bathroom. <laughs> well, women always use the facility, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. they end up calling it a facility. A, they go, where is your facilities? Right? I, it's a nice track, and um, I tell you, my favorite place there, um, if I can't hang out in the infield there of the track, I have now taken to really liking being on top of the, uh, the press tower. That's where I sat. I brought my I brought a chair with me and was sat up there Saturday night. The breeze was perfect. It was you could see everything. It was great. Yeah, you got to have an oxygen mask to climb that last set <laughs> it's of steps. Not that bad. Good grief! But I had a lot of fun. And, you don't have um, to turn around in circles if you're not in the middle. That's true. It gets tough to watch a race from the middle and or stuff from it, the but middle. But it's exciting to be in the middle sometimes. So what kind of races did they have? They did a. They started off with Super Dave launching a four-cylinder vehicle up a ramp and into an upright at motorhome. Well, I've done with that. The big bang, big deal. <laughs> Jack's done that. 
I guess I'm the next one. What else? Um, let's see. They had uh, they have they had two guys with their uh, motocross bikes um, doing doing jumps. Um, okay, so how many times can you watch a Superman? What else? <laughs> then there was a skid race, which was interesting. I've never seen one of those which before. Which is what skid race? The skid race. They had uh, removed the uh, back right tire and and. Um, it Just the right it. tire, or, or both of them? Could you, you couldn't see the I couldn't, inside. I couldn't see the other side. It's probably both rear tires, front wheel drive cars, then, right? Yes. All right, so that's so interesting. That, that was that was interesting. I've never seen that before. And then they had a, a fifty lap enduro race. Yeah, they have a bunch of cars show up for that. They had a really good car. They had a nice car count. Um, very colorfully painted vehicles for the event Saturday night. Did they give an award for the most goofy painted vehicle or something? No, but all, all the all the guys that won got a got a trophy. Um, there was a uh, two demolition derbies, and there was the boat race, which I love this because it's a dirt track. It doesn't care, doesn't matter to them if there's a trailer for the boat. They're just hauling just a boat behind the vehicle, and um, it was so funny. So it's and a true boat race. It's, it's not a, a boat and trailer. This was this was Don Narone's redneck rodeo, right? Yes, it was. And and Don, hey, you know what? Don's a really good forklift operator because he was out there on the track moving cars around and boats around and. So let me get everybody out. has an area of expertise. So Don Narone's is running a forklift. Huh? Yeah, even he if it's out there. even if it's at East Bay, right? Yeah, he was he was there. He was out there moving moving vehicles around, and um, well, Don he gets around. So is this his brainchild? This uh, Crasherama is. Uh, it's my understanding. Yeah, Don I didn't get a baby. chance to talk to him because um, he was so busy Saturday night. But it was a really good. It was very entertaining. The crowd was loving it, especially when Super Dave just kept driving through boats and driving through boats and just. You know, just basically shredding his car to entertain the crowd to trash every boat out there and uh, take out other vehicles. Let's and talk about the crowd. How was it? It was. Let's not compare it to the United Dirt Late Model Challenge Series Late Model Race, which is just, you know, a late model race to. The week before. Them, yeah, but it was a big one, a 50 lap. Mm-hmm. Um, how many, what would you say, half as many? Yes. Hmm. But uh, the, the people that were there were having a really good time, and uh, everybody that was there was, you know, was quite happy. I just have one concern. Now, just I, one, what is just your concern, one concern? This is, this is this is my one concern. One concern. I kept seeing guys jump out of vehicles after races, and they weren't wearing a fire suit. Were and the then, cars on fire? Well, I'm getting to that. Okay. They, you should were, jump out of a they car were, if it's they, on fire. They were, right? they were getting out of cars like Unless into the winter's circle, and some of them were like jeans, T-shirt, shorts, T-shirt. And I thought it was a bit odd, and I really wasn't I, – I made a comment to the people around me going, they're not wearing fire suits. Why aren't they wearing fire suits? And nobody was seemed to care but me. And then during the demolition derby, when the inside of the car burst into flames – and the guy barely gets out, and he's brushing at his right arm, knock the flames out. I really, I said, now come on, why aren't they in fire suits? Why aren't they wearing proper safety clothing? There'd have probably been like what five if, less of them out there. What if? I mean, seriously, <laughs> what if he had to? What if there was a problem getting out of the safety harness and unbuckling and getting out of that let's car? Call Don, it, let's call Don. Let's call Don Narone and ask him. Any 
uh, you know, a few seconds longer, oh, I know he would have been, he would have been, he would have been toast. Oh. And, and that doesn't make sense to me. Why, why they're allowed to risk that? How bad Jack? was it? How bad was it, Cece? I oh, mean, really? On a terror scale of ten, how, 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 what, how many terror? Numbers. Were you on the edge of your seat? Were you standing up? Were you cr- screaming? Did Which you, one? Did you oh, pee your pants? I mean, oh, good lord, no! <laughs> no, did you think the guy was going to die when yeah. he was on fire? When when you saw Maybe the, the flames, the when you saw when I saw the flames just fill up, you know, the inside the inside of the car on the on the passenger side. Yes. Oh yeah, because you know the gas tanks are probably inside the car with them. Yes, it was very. There's a very easy explanation for this. Jack, explain, explain Don Narone's, um theory behind blue jean racers. Okay, these are redneck uh, yeah. blue jean racers. That's how it used okay. to be, anyway. Okay, do you know where Don gets these guys? Do you know where he gets the guys to go do that crap? Labor camp. I, I thought it's maybe worse. they were just local guys who. Yeah. He gives them the cars and says, "You want to race?" He, there's a hospital up around Orlando, and they let these guys out. On this Saturday, they go twice a year. Don gets these guys out of the hospital. They're crazy people, Cece. Didn't you know that? Turn off your cell phone. Are we ever going to experience Here's a the show, deal. Rob, where he has his cell phone on vibrate? No. Cece, this is what you must remember. Okay, is I can't these... believe. I just you know, I can't believe what Jack just told me. Yeah, I don't believe it either. Nobody ever believes him. That's why it's unbelievable that this website works. But <laughs> <laughs> he does a good job with that. Um, I, the premise of driving suits and stuff is has only been around for so long. There was a lot of, you know, driving suits used to only be like the guys that ran sprint cars or something. They were the only ones that were driving suits. Um, it used to be more blue jean racers with long sleeves than anything else. Now, today, in today's insured society that we live in, and insurance being what it is, mm-hmm. and people like to sue for any reason that they can, I would imagine that if one of those guys had gotten burned to the point that they needed to go to the hospital, somebody would be liable around there. And so there's liability insurance, but if there's negligence, then you know that's something that the track needs to think about. So uh, the owners at... at um, the Speedway at East Bay would probably, it would come down on them more than anything else. But um, I think that there is some negligence there. I mean, I I say that the reason why they did this, because back in the old days, probably they didn't used to do it. And it's stock type cars. And these people that are racing, they wouldn't be able to race if they had to go buy a helmet and all that stuff. Were they wearing helmets? Yes. Well, they didn't have helmets on. But no gloves, no driving suit. Um yeah, if they got burned up, if that guy would have got burned up. I think that the gas tanks are inside those cars. They I, have I was boat just tanks surprised there, because this was the first time I've ever seen anything at a racetrack where somebody wasn't properly suited up. Sure, and and, and it's and it should be that way. Nobody drives on the racetrack without a driving suit, gloves, and helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, shoes. That's a different story. You know, you can't wear flip flops, but Sneakers. people just wear regular yeah. tennis shoes. But you know, you have to be smart enough. Um, to use some common sense. Now, these guys that may be out there doing this, they may not have a family, wife, and kids, um, or they may. They may have been getting paid fifty dollars to do it. And today, in this economy, fifty dollars fifty bucks is fifty bucks. That's fifty bucks, you know. So, um, hazard pay. I mean, look, you got these guys standing on the side of the road holding signs, man. They could get run over by a car, but they're only getting paid, you know, minimum wage. But you know, it's just uh, who knows why they were out there. I, I don't think you should let it bother you. I think. Uh, if anything, us talking about it, maybe the guys at the track will realize that, hey, maybe that's not so smart. Um, 
those guys at East Bay, you know, it's dirt track. Dirt track racing, too, you know. And I'm not going to say that their mentality is any different than a guy that owns an asphalt track. But I think the rules and such have always been a little bit different. Um, well, I noticed they don't a have lot windshields. Of I notice a lot of things that are different when when there are enduro races or demolition derbies or any kind of event at the asphalt track. Um, they will uh, stop a vehicle, make them get off the track if they lose their tire, and it's just the you know metal. Yeah, because it'll tear the, the track. Yeah, up. well, mm-hmm. not at the dirt track. They just keep, they just keep going. Well, you I know, don't care. That, you know. Uh, and I think a derby cars, like that's probably better at a dirt track. Yeah, because of that. Yeah, and actually, some of the cars had had uh, regular windshields in, which was funny because at a certain point, when when Todd Hutto was driving around in one of the events and he lost uh, his tire, it was just kicking up big time dirt, and so all the guys behind him, you know, were just you know getting slammed with it and had. I'm pretty sure they were having a challenge seeing out of their windshield. Well, I'm glad you had a good time this weekend. It was weekend. a blast. I, it was so much fun up there, and, and thanks so much to Todd and Al and everyone up there. had a good time. Well, that's good. Hey, Scott. Um, another good night there for CC there at the races. I didn't get to go to any races again. I'm still trying to move. Still trying to move, uh, huh? That's issues. Yeah. You know, just issues and trying to get things done and, you know, things set forward. And I won't be able to move into my new place until November 1st, but I can move out of my old place on October 15th. So it's one of those kind of deals. Oh, where fun. I have all my stuff packed into a bunch of different trailers. And then, uh, hey, I'm not, I don't have a problem having a place to live during that time. But, you know, when you put your whole life in limbo for 15 days, you know, it uh, gets to be an issue. So things have to be packed a little bit different than if you're just going to move it and put it away. What is this, the moving show? Where's Larry? Where's Gary? I wanted to talk about something. Your your microphone. You need to put that in the thing. That's what she said. But uh, Ocala had a big race on Friday night. Did you say that too? Uh, uh -uh. It's okay. Ocala Ocala Speedway um, had a big. But before we get to that, let's tell people here. First of all, uh, we're going to talk to uh, modified legend Leo Cleary tonight. Carol Wicks is going to join us at the same time he's on because they're going to talk about this uh, modified reunion. reunion. I remember yeah. Carol Wicks. Yeah, remember her? Yeah, I remember her. Yeah, and uh, we're going to have talk with Roger Krauss, uh, another uh, feature this weekend. He's a winning guy. Uh, we're going to talk to Terry Leiter, who uh, races at DeSoto and uh, has some comments on uh, on uh, racing these days mm-hmm. from a driver and a business owner's point of view. And Dwayne Kelly, who's... Uh, done uh, a little bit of consulting with uh, racetracks around the country here and there we're going to talk about uh, racetrack operations and and uh, the things that we had talked about last week about uh, track promotion and advertising race car the purses that these guys get Mm -hmm. and ticket prices and we're going to get get into that we'll we'll probably make somebody mad this weekend that's that's always fun did we get any responses um after our show did you no did you get any responses no no, absolutely not nobody responded they don't they didn't respond one bit no but anyway we have they don't care we have beat we have all the tracks are going to close do you care yeah we're going to have bj uh, cabin on here right now who's going to tell us what happened at uh ocala they had a big show this weekend BJ, can you hear us? Can you hear us, man? I'm here. Okay. Go ahead, BJ. You're on with CC, Rob, and Jack. You, you got the, you got it, man. You got the mic in your hand. 
You're ready to roll. Tell us yeah, all about it. Yeah, man, we had an awesome night of racing Friday night. Uh, the Florida Mini Sprints were in town. And if you've never seen those guys put on a show, i, I got to tell you, you know, people kind of poo-poo away those little race cars. But I want to tell you what, they are fast. And when they get to whipping around the track, it is, it is as good as any sprint show, let me tell you. Um, if you've ever been at a racetrack and been in a scoring tower, you know the scorers hate the score of sprint race because they're, they're just all over the place. It's hard to score. And uh, it's hard for an announcer to call a sprint race. And let me tell you, the mini sprints, they were like that all night long, all over the place, lead changes, position changes all through the race. Uh, Leroy Moore came out the winner of the race. Uh, he actually drove away from the rest of the field. A very interesting story played out in there, though, because uh, the 25, Harold Matthews, the guy came out there. He looked really strong at the beginning, had a problem. I'm not quite sure what the problem was. Had the lead, slipped way back in the pack. Then as the race progressed, he fought his way back up, and at the end of the race, he was all over Leroy Moore. Moore was able to hold him off to take the win. But, man, oh, man, it was, it was great to watch that battle take place. So uh, what happened in the uh, late model race? Late model race was another one of those that, you know, you think you know who's going to win the race, and then lo and behold, something crazy happens. Uh, this was the uh, Shane Smith-Shane Williams show, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> Right from the start, it was like Shane Williams was just going to absolutely drive away from this race. I mean, he, he, he was really strong at the beginning of the race. And right in the middle of things, about at the halfway point, we had a caution flag. And after this caution, Shane Smith had been running in second. He really hadn't gotten that close to Williams. But at the start, going into turn one, Shane Smith went in there like a man possessed, got up underneath Williams, kind of muffled him out of the way, and took off, got the lead, and would not relinquish it for the rest of the night. It was an awesome move. The, gra- the crowd actually gasped when he did it. You know why? You want me to tell you something about Mr. Sean Smith? Is that his nickname is Showtime. Don't you know that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Well, that's how he does it. Absolutely. When he got up underneath... Williams. I mean, I, I thought there was going to be a wreck. It was like, there they go. They're going to wreck. Both of them kept their cool. Williams kind of gave him the room, realized, you know, okay, I got beat here. And, man, oh, man, it was it was on from there. The two of them were just practically attached for the rest of the race. Well, that sounds like an exciting race. Um, they have a bunch of cars there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a great showing of fans, great showing of cars. Of course, we had other divisions that were running, too. The hobby stocks ran. Uh, the mini stocks ran again. Also, uh, the uh, gladiator cars got out there. Had a good chilling the gladiator calls, cars out there again. The V8 Thunder stocks were off this past week. They'll be back this Friday night. And, you know, we try to alternate our uh, divisions to give every division a week off every so often so that the guys have a chance to kind of take a breather. And it was the V8 Thunder stocks turn last time around, so they didn't run Friday night. Oh, well, you don't point at me like that, Rob. I get really upset when you point at me like that. Hey, uh, you know, Rob, did you hear what he just said? Why does Ocala insist on having like a three-hour show with like four classes? Why don't they have eight or nine classes like some of the other tracks? Get on a real show. A seven-hour show is what we want, isn't it? That's what you might want, not me. I rather I either. You yeah. want? I think I think fans want quality 
for their grandstand fee, not necessarily quantity, but it's quality of racing. Well, if you have a bunch of classes, you're not going to have quantity of cars. Who cares what the spectators want? It's the most important thing, Jack. You know what I think the big deal is there? I think the spectators want to go home at some point. Yeah, I think so. I think Mike Peters realizes this. That he's got his self-imposed 11 o'clock curfew, which we, we usually hit it pretty close. Yeah, well, so He turns into a pumpkin at he midnight. He just wants to watch, go home and watch <laughs> The Late Show or something. He likes Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Well, think about it. it. 11 11 o'clock is a good time. I mean, a lot of people that attend races also have to get up and go to church the next morning. You should be done by 10. You know, 6 to 10, that's that's four hours. You should be able to put in a good show, a good quality show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like the idea of giving classes a week off. You always want want, want people to keep them wanting more. Hey, BJ, now we got you on here, man. It's been almost a whole year now, almost a whole season. Yeah. What do you think about uh, this whole deal of, I mean, it's it's been a, a big deal to have Ocala back at dirt, hasn't it? Yeah, what's that for? <laughs> it's, just go dig about two feet down, you'll probably find some. Now, <laughs> now, 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 we don't. Let's stay on a positive note here. Dirt is fun. Honestly, it, but dirt, I don't know if. I guess it's the, the, the racing itself and the mindset of the racers. Uh, a lot of asphalt races these days uh, turn into a follow-the-leader affair until late in the race. And I don't know if that's just the way things are or, or whatever, but not to knock asphalt racing because it is exciting. I mean, Done right. What it is without the excitement level in asphalt racing. But on dirt, there's this extra level of whatever that I think fans really get into. And mm-hmm. uh, it's fun. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. Well, part of it, you know, part of it is a lot of the race. First of all, there, there's a lot of asphalt races where the tracks, you, you have like uh, the cars have way too much horsepower in some circumstances for the size and shape of the tracks on, on asphalt. Not enough cars in the class. I mean, let's face it. You go over to Citrus and when they got, it's a short, banked, quarter mile and when you when citrus has a good solid field of cars which they have a lot of and you get 20 or 25 cars on a class they got three wide racing man and it's very very exciting but if you have a big half mile track and you got seven mini stocks there ain't much you can do to make that exciting unless you have a horse in the race and to be fair I have to tell you, you put uh, five or six mini stocks on a on a dirt track, and it's the same story. Right. If, if, if they're not competitive, you know, you got to have the cars. And right now, the dirt tracks are drawing the cars. Uh, you know, maybe I really don't know the reasons for that. There may be a whole lot of reasons for that, but that seems to be where all the cars are going right now. Well, I think we've had uh, drivers tell us in the past that they found it uh, more economical. Yeah. To race on dirt, yeah. That's Everybody what. says dirt is the great equalizer, also. Um, so, and and a lot of drivers like that fact. The fact that uh, you know a lot of horsepower is not necessarily going to put somebody out in front like it does on pavement. Hey, you don't have that big tire, Bill. Yeah, that's true. Why don't we race on sand? That wouldn't be any fun. It'd be slow. Well, they used to do that at Daytona, and uh, I was kind of looking at some <laughs> new, uh, old movies for that, and it's like. 
Yeah, okay. Well, he kind of looks fun. Well, they had the wrong cars for the sand is the problem. They were trying to run <laughs> sleds around the sand. <laughs> hey, guys, can I put on my promoter's hat for a minute? Please do. What, do you got Mike Peters sitting around there or something? He's going to do a, cut a promo for us? Over my shoulder. He hadn't got a gun to my head or anything. But I, I just wanted to throw this out here because we've got this event coming up that I think is really unique. All right, let's hear your best your best promo at it. Let's hear it. Do it good. We'll play it again, Sam. Yeah. Well, first of all, you may have heard that on October the 17th, we had the late model scheduled. Uh, there's a big late model race in the state, and a lot of the guys wanted to go run in that big money race. You know, you dangled the, the, the money carrot in front of them, and they're all gone. So we decided to open up the place to the sportsman race. Now, we haven't had a sportsman division all year at Ocala Speedway. We just didn't have room for it. And the sportsman racers got kind of a little teed off at us about that. But uh, now they're going to get their big chance on the 17th to come in. We're going to have a $1,000 to win 30-lap race. So the sportsman, uh, it's going to be a chance for them to show how many of them will show up and how great they'll race at Ocala. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see if the sportsman class gets added for 2009. You never know. But, uh, anyway, their date's going to be October the 17th, and they all need to show up and uh, come out and race for a 1000 bucks going to the winter. Sounds like a good race. And I've talked to a few of them, and sounds like we're going to have a good, good showing that night. But also on that night, the night was already designated as church night, and we have faster pastor races that night. Oh, those are always fun. Yeah, and what is so unique about this event is that Ocala Speedway has said, okay, we're going to have a contest. When people come in the general admission gate that night, they will tell the ticket taker what church they are affiliated with. Right. At the end of the night, we're going to tally up all of the ticket stuff. And the church with the most members in the grandstand, Ocala Speedway, will donate $1 per ticket sold back to that church. That's not a bad deal. Oh, that's nice. That's Very cool. an awesome way for the churches to get together. And the churches are competing in this thing. They're going in on Sunday morning and patting people on the back and shaking hands and saying, hey, you're going to be at the Speedway that night? And also, for the Faster Pastor races, we've had some folks come up and donate some purse money. And that purse money will be split up between the pastors that race, depending on the finishing order. So the pastors will also be making money for the churches. So it's a great event. That's cool. Oh, that's And good. you guys suspend beer sales for that night? I was going to say, this isn't sponsored by the Full Moon Saloon, is it? <laughs> huh? It will be a dry night at Ocala Speedway. On good. The that's how it should be on that night. Right, exactly. And we're just going to try and have a whole lot of good, wholesome fun and uh, also try and help the churches make a little bit of money. You know, just give them a little. And if you would, would you get all those folks together, okay, and have them all pray for Jack Smith? <laughs> See if we can't bring him to the Lord. Honestly, I, I believe he's probably beyond hope. <laughs> Nobody's beyond hope. That's the good thing about Jesus. He loves all of us. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, well, we'll do that. You know, we were talking about that. It's like, well, what are we going to do that night? You know, the invocation could take a couple of hours with all those preachers hanging around. <laughs> there you go, man. Well, you know what? Instead of selling beer, listen to this. Okay? You got this from me. Sell root beer. Okay. And I guarantee you those folks will drink it up, man. They'll drink it up. Because they're going to appreciate the fact that you're not selling beer that night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All I right. think a lot of people actually might appreciate that. You know? Yeah, well, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's some guys that probably uh, come to the track and uh, abuse that privilege of drinking. 
you just slowly get rid of them. <laughs> well, BJ, that hey, sounds hey, good. Hey, hey, before you go, man, be sure and tell everybody all week long that Mike Peters is going to be with us next week along with Mike Cope. Right. And we're going to talk some serious, serious inside Florida racing stuff about the operations of track. Well, you got the right guy to do it with. Yeah, yeah. no, no sugar coating this. Well, one. we got one that's closing his track, and then uh, we want to have Peters on here to find out uh, if his clat track's going to close anytime soon. I uh, don't think it's going to close, <laughs> but uh, I'll be honest with you. You know, it's it's a lot better than it you was better be. Go you ahead. better be honest with us at all times, BJ. Honesty <laughs> is the best policy. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, and i got to tell you, it, it's tough all over. I don't care what Psh. you're in. Newsflash. Yeah. Yeah, we're all broke. We're all going to work for Walmart before it's over. All right, BJ, we're done with you, man. <laughs> all right, man. See ya. Take Bye. it easy. Bye-bye, you guys. See you later. Um, folks, by the way, you are listening to Inside Florida Racing. Uh we didn't give an official, uh, you know, moniker at the beginning other than, you really? know, inside Cece Florida Racing. failed to I tell did. everybody? No, no, she said this I was did. Cece. I, she said it was Cece Brooks. I said, welcome to Inside Florida. You know, oh, I know anybody, we didn't do. We didn't talk about who was going to be on. That's what we didn't talk about. We did. Jack covered that. All of it? Yeah. Hey, do you realize? Do you realize? I'm losing my mind. The Inside Florida Racing intro that we play almost every week. If anybody catches the beginning of this show... Sometimes they miss it. If they don't... <laughs> Sometimes they weren't on there. What do you think? They're tuning in this channel to hear... I just squared it up for the folks of what they were listening to. <laughs> you this? can't miss the name what, of this, this show. Is this soft-serve <laughs> tabernacle choir show? What the hell do you think this is? Well, I was getting to something else. And Rob, I what have you been doing with so your time, rudely man? interrupted. <laughs> I was going to, after I said that moniker... What is in that water bottle? I was going to talk about the uh, the driver of the month, Pandora Jeweler Driver of the Month, Inside Florida Racing, uh-huh. Pandora Jewelers. Oh, I have my suggestion for a driver of the month. Well, here's my suggestion. Not yet. Okay. No, hang on to it. Is that okay. I, I'm kind of aggravated. I'm kind of aggravated with the three folks that are supposed to be listening out there that we don't even get their vote. I share your aggravation. Driver of the month. Um, You know, I'm having a hard time with this uh, past month's driver of the month, you know, of September. And sure, we have our ideas, but it's all not made up by us, you know. And uh, usually we get some kind of input and uh, really not much input out there. So um, here we are giving away. I understand what you're saying. We're giving away a $4,000 ring to the driver of the year from Pandora Jewelers, you know. Well, and by the way, we, we are going to do be doing. Uh, we're going to unleash the message board freaks so that they can vote for their favorite driver, favorite cook at the racetrack, favorite flagman, whatever. Really? Which, which favorite, racetrack? Favorite lady who watches the bathrooms <laughs> at your track. Favorite bathroom attendant. Yes, Love we're going to have them all. That's going to start here pretty soon. Are we going to give some awards? Absolutely. Out, like golden toilet but paper a, roll. But that's not a real race in USA. Toilet paper thing. roll painted gold. That's a Karnak thing. But, you know, we can talk about it on this show, I suppose. Karnak. Is that site still working? As far as I know. The the economy hasn't taken it under yet? Not yet. <laughs> hey. Soon. never know what will happen. You might just tune in one day and it's not there. And then the next day it's not there. And then the next day it's not there. And then Jack just never answers his phone. Then what will you do? I don't know, man. 
Let's take a break. Just like the tracks, they're all going to close. Can we think a little more positively here? Listen, the glass is empty, and right. it's getting emptier. All right, Cece, let's have it positive. Let's positive. hear something positive. I don't know. I, oh, po- I don't <laughs> think every single track is going to close. Uh, and I matter think of fact, fail stay open. Uh, um, I think that there was something passed in the new rescue plan that was supposed to benefit racetracks. I don't know exactly what was it is. Was that the $2 billion they're going to spend on bow and arrow that research? Was, that was one of the uh, pork barrel <laughs> Yeah, the, one of the pork barrel things, things had to do with racetracks. Yeah, to, to throw in to get the enough Republicans and Democrats to vote for the damn thing. But um, Crazy. Can you believe it? I, yeah. don't think, I don't think all tracks are, fa- are going to fail. I think we're going to probably see some tracks where the communities just can't support them anymore but the goal should be with for the fans to go out for the drivers to go out to support their local racetrack for the track owners to invest wisely into some forms of advertising um so people in the community who are not familiar with the track now will become familiar so they will develop a new fan base we're going to talk about ticket prices when we come back. Oh, said without, we're going to I was, before ticket we, prices need to change Before we go to break, I want to throw this out. The number, 941-228-8359. 941-228-8359. I want somebody to call me and tell me anywhere, please, I need to know, where in the country... Is there a racetrack that charges $15 and or $20 for special events that is a successful racetrack in terms of putting people in the grandstands? Now, can we clarify this yes. even more? Yes. $15 as a regular right. admission exactly. and 20 and $25 20, for special yeah, events. 15 for regular and 20 for special or something in that category. In other words... Tell me a track anywhere in the country that's charging more than $12 for front gate on a regular basis. I want to know about it because we have not been able to find that animal. Just take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about not only racing tickets, but tickets to go to other things and other places and how much does it cost and why people aren't going to the racetracks when we come back. Your online racing community since 1997. Carnac.com is racing classifieds, racing photos, racing news, lively racing message boards, chat rooms, multimedia, and so much more. And if your race team or racing business needs a website or your website needs a fire lit under it, look no further than Carnac.com. From affordable web hosting to fancy flash animation, Carnac gets it done. Could you explain to us what you saw? He run the hell all over him. My God, he didn't give him room to get straightened up. He run him up the corner, turned him down, turned him sideways, and hit him in the wall. Way back by, though, when he drove back by, it was nice of him. And that's, that's the action at Lakeland, USA International Speedway. The funeral lap. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Real Men of Genius. 
Today we salute you, Mr. Bathroom Stall Dirty Joke Writer. Mr. Bathroom Stall Dirty Joke Writer. Armed with your trusty marker, you do the impossible. Make an incredibly dirty place even dirtier. Scribble it down now. Your jokes make us pee our pants. Lucky for us, they're down around our ankles. You answer our most vexing question. Whatever happened to the man from Nantucket? Oh, that's a good one. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh ruler of the rhyme. Because when we're looking for a good time, we call you. Oh, Mr. Bathroom Stall Duty Joe Pryder. Bud Light Beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Florida racing. <laughs> okay. Just, just in now, case you just were in wa- case you don't know what you're listening to. Um, okay. Ticket prices. Okay. Uh, I'm. I don't want to pick out anybody individually, so I'm just going to say that this is. Um, all you promoters need to, to listen. Okay. Track owners need to listen. Um, the reason why I believe that um, the ticket prices need to come down. This is my personal opinion, and I'm going to let these guys give you theirs. And whether you guys care or not, you have to listen because it's our show. And our opinion, my opinion, is that they it costs so much to go out and do anything today. So the track owners, I think they're so stuck at being at the races every Saturday night that they don't realize, you track owners out there, what are you guys doing for fun? How much money do you spend to go do something that is just for fun during the week? You can't do it on Saturday night because you're always stuck at your own place. So what do you do on Sunday night? Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. What do you do? Where do you spend your money? Okay. And how much do you spend when you go do something? And I know a few of you track owners out there and promoters, and I know how cheap you guys are. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, if you seriously think about this thing, when you're raising these prices at your racetrack, okay, you've got a venue. Cece, yes. how much does it cost to go see freaking Garth Brooks, okay? If I want to go see Garth Brooks, he's supposed to be one of the best in country music, right? He's not touring anymore. He's retired, but okay. Um, this All right, let's take uh, Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson? Oh, whoever. Okay, Alan Jackson. Tickets could very easily start at the um, like 
$30 range. Are you and kidding me? 30 35 40 uh, in the nosebleeds. And then the closer you're down on the floor and up to the stage, you're talking going up to 70 80 yeah. Some artists, okay. 90 okay. Um I bet you'd never see any of these track owners. But that's Alan top Jackson. shelf. That's, I mean, that's a top level entertainment, yeah. right? Yeah. That's not comparable to what. That's not really comparable. No, well, you can. No, no. Well, the thing is, is that. No, it is comparable because they go see Alan Jackson or uh, maybe not Alan Jackson, but uh, other country. Who's the country people that you guys promote to come to a concert? When we do um, our Country Fest concert at yes. the end of every April, which is a free concert to the community, the tickets are valued at $35. But it's free. But if, if they bring, if they get one of the free tickets... They're in free. If they just walk up to the gate day of the show, they have to pay the thirty-five dollars. Right. Um, you know, we brought we've we've had John Anderson, who right. is you know a Florida boy, hugely famous. Um, Little Texas, Ricochet, Doug Stone. But aren't those concerts Bellamy usually Brothers. like a fifteen-dollar concert or something? Or Normally something that's affordable when they want to get people there. Now, like again, I'm not trying to talk about are, something like. It's at some huge We've stadium done, for twenty thousand well, well, people. Well, we do, and we charge thirty five dollars. And but it's free if they pick up one of the you know fifty thousand tickets we distribute across Southwest Florida. Right. There are paid shows that we do sometimes during the year, and our ticket prices for those usually, depending on the venue, are around um, fifteen to twenty dollars. Okay, my point being here is that that's just a concert. Okay, and I. I'll venture to say that it's even hard on our track owners and promoters to go pack up their wife and a couple family members, okay, and go out to a concert, say, that only costs $15 a person. And let me just say, all those ticket prices are going up now because the artists themselves have to charge the radio station and the venues more because their costs have gone up hauling their diesel trucks with all their equipment and their band in it. So ticket prices are have gone up now if they raise their ticket prices what's going to happen to the to the stands i mean because they're going to be issued the same thing because here i was trying to use them for an example um, now oh, you're telling me they're raising their prices they, too. they've had to raise prices and some artists have had to cancel concerts because fans could not afford the increased ticket price and or, they have not been enough sold right let's go back a second you work in the real world yep. in the radio industry yes and you have you didn't start doing this yesterday no. Okay. Give us a little bit about your background in the in the in the industry. I began my radio career right out of high school when I was 18 years old. So I've been doing this for quite a few years. I've been with Clear Channel now for 15 years. Right. In um, all kinds of capacities. Yes. I, I started off working just as a, a part-time DJ on-air personality. Worked my way up to being. Um, I worked in promotions. I was a promotions assistant. Uh, then I became full-time music director. She's a production person, too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I am now the full-time production director. I produce talk shows, host talk shows, and I have the, uh, the, uh, the midday 10 to 3, Monday through Saturday at Kicks Country 92.9. I'm the on-air personality. And you also deal with uh, people in the public from time to time selling advertising I, I I am now selling advertising yes, yes I am I okay. deal and I mostly deal on with uh, things to do with racing that's my specialty how many live remotes do you say you've done out there oh over the course of my career A thousand. well personally for myself it might be hundreds hundreds mm-hmm. 
So this is what you do. I mean, you're out in the public. You deal with promotion. You deal mm-hmm. with the advertising, everything from pantyhose to mm-hmm. car. MC special events. It, yeah. Volunteer my time to MC events. Right. And you? You've been doing this. We covered your background in this a little bit. I've but just been doing beside, a lot of voice stuff. Yeah. Using my voice. But you've been involved in promotions, a lot of promotions. As, we, as we dealt with on a lot of That's all that radio and voice yeah. stuff is, is you're always yeah. promoting someone else's stuff. And then sometimes you either play music or you talk. <laughs> but there's always promotion involved. Just so like we all, have to take all, all three of us have been involved in pretty much promotions as our one of the things yes. we do. For a long, long, I mean, that's what Either we Either promoting all, myself that's or what promoting we're doing. a business. We're promoting yep. something. Or promoting racing, just that's like what, we're yep. doing now. That's what free. we've been doing is promoting something. Yep. So, I, and I just wanted to bring that up just to point out, you know, you don't have to be a, uh, yeah, a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. It's the only guy that, in the world that can would, get use on that a point and then, <laughs> answer, then the answer the cell phone. Yeah. And we were all ears, too. <laughs> no, it's, it's, um... I I would like to think that um, my years of experience, um, I might not be the most knowledgeable person when it comes to racing, but my passion for it is what's helping me help um, different race tracks and racing series and um, monster truck shows promote promote themselves. Um, I hear you. Give me a pin, Jack. Go ahead, CC. Keep on. talking about what you're talking about okay. because I'm I'm all ears. Well, I, I think somebody somebody asked me in our sales department um, at Clear Channel why in these hard economic times right now was I having success bringing in advertising from different racetracks, and I told them one reason was my passion and love of the sport. And wanting it to survive, I think, comes across to all the different, you know, track owners and promoters that I talk to. And I'm very sincere. I'm not doing it for my benefit. I'm doing it because I really want that. I know this is a way to help the racetracks survive and get the word out and create new race fans. And um, well, there's no doubt that they need to do particular advertising, and they need to continue to do advertising. In, in order to get out to p- new new people mm-hmm. that's never been there before. And sometimes you can do so much with a small ad schedule, like maybe only spending 250 or $500, but supplementing that with the radio station by um, making arrangements to have driver interviews and to give away tickets all week long. So when you're not actually running ads, the DJs are still talking about it on air because they're having an interview and they're giving tickets away. And, you know, it it all works hand in hand. Oh, absolutely. And, and as I was saying here, we, we, have a, we had a call, actually, an uh, off-air call uh, from uh, Mike Peters. And uh, uh, we'll deal with that in a minute. But as I was saying, is that you, you don't have to be a track. I mean, you hear this comment, and, and I've had some, heard some pretty good people say it. And I, I know they don't mean it to be rude or crude. But, you know, I've heard promoters say more than once that, you know, come, if, if you think you know how to do this, then, you know, you come show us how to do it. Well, it doesn't work that way. You don't have to be a track owner to know how to promote and advertise and use advertising as a medium mm-hmm. and promotional tools to put people in the grandstands at a racetrack. 
You don't have to be a race car driver to do that. As a matter of fact, there's absolutely nothing that goes with being a race car driver that makes you qualified to put people in the grandstands. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Now, what people do who are business owners who are involved in entertainment is they either have a background in promotion and advertising and using those mediums themselves, or if they don't have a background, if they want to be successful, they hire people who do. Mm-hmm. And there's no other way around that. You cannot, I, I just, I can't imagine, that nobody's, somebody's going to have to show me where that's not true because that is what happens out in the business world isn't i mean that's is that your experience oh oh definitely you business owners come they they need to rely on marketing specialists promotional specialists people that know how to help um market what you know market their racetrack um get that information get that news out to the community develop new fans and you don't need to and really gone are the days of sinking a large amount of money into a 60 second ad which of course is the most expensive kind of advertising you can do running 15 second ads if if the copy is written correctly um and you're using good sound effects and good music it makes it exciting and you get the information out there and that's a really affordable an affordable package to then combine with giveaway tickets, have interviews with drivers that are going to be out there. For example, um, United Dirt Late Model, when when they're racing, when they advertise, I can I can interview Ken Kenny, I can interview you know Sean, I can interview you know Roger, any of the guys in there, and that's added value, yes. and and that that's all added value, and it fills in the gaps where you're not running fifteen. Or 30-second ads. Well, and that by itself, the radio advertising by itself, you'll mm-hmm. go, you know, well, if somebody who doesn't understand how this whole deal works, think, well, they just throw radio ads out. No, you have to do a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Somebody hears the radio ad, they hear it four times, it might start to penetrate their consciousness, then they're in publics and they see the sign that advertises mm-hmm. what they just heard on the radio, they see somebody handing out a flyer somewhere. They see an ad in a radio, in a in a in a newspaper, and it all. It, the it really mix. needs to combine. Okay, hey, you, listen. But we have, all, we have the advertising's have, all good and everything. We have Mike Peters on. But the sad thing us, is, is if they show up, okay, and they show up to the track after this advertising that's done, and it costs them twenty or twenty five dollars a person to come into that particular race. This is what my point that I was talking about. Yes, exactly. Was, exactly. That, and that it, can't be because it's too much for an American to spend that kind of money. And not only that, here we had Mike Peters scheduled for next week, but he heard us ranting about Mike this. Mike Peters is on the phone? He couldn't wait to be on next Uh-oh. week. He had to call us Rattled somebody's chain. Go Hi, ahead, Mike. Mike. What's up? Hey, what's happening, guys? I'm coming on next week. I'm not going to take up a lot of your show. I just... You guys wondered what other track owners did and if they have any, you know, thoughts in the last couple of months maybe on other venues and stuff that they've gone through or, you know, we go doing stuff quite a bit. I mean, I went to uh, Hank Williams Jr. concert. That was about two months ago, I guess. I think that was about $48 a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, here, here's, a, here's a real interesting one for you. I, I'm really into MMA and UFC stuff, and I went to a Cage Warriors mixed martial arts fight in uh, Orlando at the UCF Arena. This was last month. 
See, listen. He's a he, sick man. Hey, listen. He knows who Kimbo Slice is. I guarantee you. <laughs> hey, listen. $42 a ticket at the Cage Warriors fight, okay? There was probably, the best I can guess, they probably had about four to 5,000 people there. My ticket was $42. Uh, the beers were 5 or $6 a piece. And there's no person. I mean, I think out of the the nine or ten fights they had on the card that night, I think only two of the fights were actually paying the guys any money, and it wasn't really wasn't even what we paid like late model drivers to win a late model race. So somebody's how making was, some money. How was it advertised, Mike? How was it? How did you hear about it? How was it advertised? I just heard through it at the. Uh, I, I trained at a MMA school. I just heard it advertised through the school. They had a poster hanging up in the school and. Yeah. Hey, listen, you paid $42 to go there. Let me ask you something. Would you go every week and pay $42? No, probably not, no. No, you certainly wouldn't. Because um, well, every week they couldn't put on a show, probably, that would be... Hold your attention. ...for $42 worth. No. But if they worth. told you that weekly we're going to do it, and it's not going to be $42 because it's, you know... We're going to do it weekly, so we're going to charge you twenty. Okay, you're more apt to put people in the stands than if you held your price at that forty-two dollars, right? What do you yeah, think, Mike? And also, demographic plays into it as well. I mean, you know, in the in the area, the particular area you're in, obviously has a lot of effect on that. And it's kind of finding a fine line there between what's going to work in your local community, your area, and what's not going to work. I was going to go to the Kimbo Slice fight. You know how much ringside tickets were to that? Well, Hundred bucks. It was a pretty short fight. No, I I, I was going to buy tickets to go. Angie and I were going to go to the Kimbo Slice fight Saturday night. They were seven hundred dollars a piece. Holy! Whoa. That's like going to Augusta for the. Uh... Hey, now how how mad must those people have been Holy that bought cow. the ticket and then Shamrock didn't even fight and Kimbo didn't even show up? Some other guy showed up. Hey, dropped in fifteen seconds. But anyway. Seven hundred dollars a person, man. I can't afford that. Now, at home and watch it on TV. Well, what else now, do Mike, do? I'm I'm just curious. Um, what is your normal gate price? Twelve dollars for adults, ten dollars for seniors, eight dollars for students, and children twelve and under are free. Okay, we can't now, talk to Mike, about this. No, 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 wait, wait. Now, oh if it's God. a if it's a special event, uh huh. What's your special event price? Fifteen dollars for adults. And ten dollars for uh, all kids, but we have a family pack, which is two adults and two children for thirty-five dollars. That's only on special event night. Wow! And See, do, do not, you know of nice. any track in the country that is charging fifteen base price with twenty dollars for special events? That well, is like I mean, really. I'm not trying, I, I was. I could be totally wrong, and I'm not trying to, you know, knock them or anything. We, you know, we got a good relationship, but I was, I, I was under the impression that Bobby was doing that. He is. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's the only one I know of. Well, we were looking for an example of a... Yeah, where it's really successful. Where it's really successful, where the stands are filled. Where you have, you know, where you have 1,500, 2,000 people every... You know, I mean, come on, you you know what it costs. I mean, you got to have 1,000 people, 700, 800, 1,000 people in your grandstands, and depending on what purse you're, you're having for that night, you got to have a lot more, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, how come you haven't raised your prices? Uh, I just, I, I don't think it's, I think we'll, I think I'm right at that point where we'll, we'll start losing people. I think we're at a fair price, and I think we're at a reasonable price. 
I compare my pricing at our product more along the lines of a movie theater. I mean, people don't even go see the same movie over every week. But um, See, know. my comparison to country music was probably um, not comparing apples to apples because I didn't realize, because I'm not a country music fan, how much the tickets cost and not thinking about how many people were at these venues. But, um, well, yes. Something somebody's only going to go to maybe two or three times a year unless they're a dedicated, right. diehard, you know, go to every country concert there is. I mean... Well, yeah, so weekly. Nobody goes that's to anything the way, weekly. That's the way well, racing is. I mean, most of the people who come to the track over the course of a year of any track, most tracks, they don't go every week. There's a, a base number of people that are really diehard race fans that go every week. I'll bet you 50% but, of the people at probably Mike's racetrack and Bobby's racetrack are there every week. No. They are. 50%. No. I've not down big, there. Oh, I've had a big influx no. this year of uh, new customers, so? and, and also a big influx of people that came to the track regularly when mm-hmm. say, the Powell family owned it, or right. when it was dirt before, and right. they're coming back now. Yeah. Um, well, see, that's right. that. That might be a thing for you to try to, uh, for all track people to figure out if it's what would be your percentage? You think, around? Mike? Excuse me. What, what was what, your what repeat customers? Yeah, the ones who are there. Like, what's that base that? If the if it's raining hell's hailstones, they're still going to be there. I'd say probably sixty to seventy percent is more on closer on target for wow. you. Yeah, That's really wonderful. Yeah, that's so see, solid, man. That's like so see, this is changing a little bit of of. You have a. We've core. been sitting here arguing back and forth between us three, not arguing, well, but trying to hash this stuff out. And but, this is something that we never really came up in our conversation was. How many people go every week? You're asking about that return number. I feel as though today that's something that we're beginning to encapsulate and also beginning to hang on to and beginning to grow now at Ocala. I mean, last Friday I had 1,000 people in the stands for a regular night show, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to help get those 70% to come back every week. You know, um, what, what, what? What do you do to get them to come back every week? Well, my big philosophy with the three-hour show, you know, even when I have a new customer come in the door, they don't want to come to my facility and sit there for six hours. They, When you come to Ocala Speedway, if you arrive at 7 o'clock, you can have social hour for an hour, meet people, see people you haven't seen in a while. 8 o'clock, the races start on time. Uh, we ran behind schedule twice all year. 8 o'clock they start, and we come as close as we possibly can to finishing everything up at 11 o'clock. All right, man. Well, that was a great segue into next week's show, so, Mike. So get your, get Appreciate your, you calling us. Get your stuff together, man. We're going to grill you next week, okay? All right. Hey, All right. have a good night. All right. You too, Mike. Bye-bye. Uh, boy, well, I can't wait. <laughs> I would have liked to have continued that. No, that's yeah. something it's something we've talked about a lot, not necessarily on the show, but that is something that has been talked about. It's like you, you have this core, every track, and, and you go study the track for a few months, and you get to see that right. every track has it, and they're all different, has its core mm-hmm. of diehard race fans. That They're real race fans. They're going to be there. Most of the people that come to your track over the year, they're not race fans. They're, they want entertained. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so a different it really, deal. It really just it's the one dawned that, on me that yeah. if that's a fact, okay, that he is said seven. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm not talking about what you said. I'm talking about what he said. If if that's a fact that 70 percent he says are coming back, and let's go back and say that at most tracks, okay, that it's only 50 percent, okay. 
the track needs to really think about once a month, okay? Rewarding those people. Well, not I, I wasn't getting to there, but we can talk about that. Once a month, they need to have a huge show, okay? Oh, definitely. Once a month, you have a huge show, and you promote that show. If you can afford to really do two of them, then you do two of them. But I think that the emphasis on having, oh, we're having the Rock and Roll of Motorsports tonight. And then the next week, oh, we're having the Rock and Roll of Motorsports tonight. And then you keep doing that. And then what happens is that you're really not having this great show that you think you're having every week. If you would take some time and promote and really work on one big show and then during the week have your regular stuff and not so much of it, Mm -hmm. you can afford to bring your ticket prices down because your outlay is not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's got to be something that's got to happen. Now, I know for a special show, you know, and we're not picking on anybody, uh, any, any one track owner because I know that a lot of the track owners, they don't know what the correct thing is to well, do we're right not, now. We're so not we're picking on to, anybody. Let's, let's try to work this, work this out. And by talking to these owners, we're going to see what they do and we're going to see what success they're having and then maybe see... If it can't help some of the other ones, because I want everybody to remember, keep in mind that the focus of our, the, the goal that we're focusing on, okay, is all these tracks staying open. Absolutely. That's simple. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Make I want, it, I make want it money. Yeah. And they, well, that's how they'll, they'll make have to money. make money if they're not going to stay open. Absolutely. So I want to see Bobby Deal thrive and, and survive and, 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 and do well. And I want to see John Sapricone survive and do well. Um, and if we can help in the middle, we don't want to hinder. We want to help. So we're going to talk to some drivers. We're going to talk to drivers. We're going to talk to promoters. Because I want to see at these other racetracks just what's going on from the driver's point of views. We've talked to the track owners, but I want to hear some negativity about some of the negative. We're going to get the there. Tonight in this show, we got a, a couple of people that we have on uh, that are going to, I think we're going to get there. Right now, we... Uh, uh, we have a race car driver that had a little bit of a misunderstanding this this weekend. Went out and won a race. That's the most important thing. Uh, had a little bit of a misunderstanding. It got cleared up this afternoon. And uh, let's welcome back to Inside Florida Racing, Roger Krause. Welcome, Roger. Hi, Roger. Hey. Welcome to the show. How are y'all doing? We're doing good. And you know, CC Brooks is a big fan of yours. I don't know if you yes, knew I that. Am. Or, you know, yeah, from the Clewiston. Racetrack, yeah. That's right, and I've seen you up at East Bay. Always try to come back and say hi when when you're at a track. Yeah, I seen you. Last time I seen you was at Charlotte County, I think. Yep. Hey, Roger, how many races did you win in September? In September, oh, two, I think, at Ocala. You won two at Ocala in September. I don't know if I won two. I know I won one. Well, didn't you? I don't, I didn't don't even you, know. Did you win some modifieds? Modifieds, yeah. Really. What'd you do uh, Saturday night? I went to Lake City and raced a uh, late model. Did you win? Yeah, I won. That's right, you did. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just explain to people that you know we were going to have Roger on. He had, he had a bit of an issue. Uh, he and the promoter up at Phil uh, uh, Gudagno they had a bit of a misunderstanding, and uh, you know, of course, a lot of people in the racing deal they love misunderstandings because it gives them something to yammer about on message boards and stuff and shows like this, but. It got sorted out this afternoon between the two guys, and uh, Roger's happy, and Phil's happy, and Roger's celebrating another win in uh, late models. Yeah, I, I I enjoy going to Lake City. I enjoy Liz and Phil, and um, 
the facilities uh, way far better than it was two or three years ago and it, it's just a whole lot more fun to race there now than it used to be the lighting is more, much more better and um, just all around more fun to go there let me ask you something how much did it cost you to go run that race because I know you're from Tampa that's a long pull up there Lake City what kind of money did you have to spend to go race that race? Well, we went to, um, actually went to Ocala Friday night, and um, wasn't sure if we was going to uh, Volusia or Lake City. Um, when we raced Friday night, even we called Liz and Phil after the races and uh, confirmed that they were still racing, and we went on up to Lake City instead of going to uh, Volusia because it would cost twice as much money to pull two cars. We don't have a double stacker trailer. But we went on to Lake City. It cost about $250 to go both tracks and um, $150 for fuel for the, both nights for, for the car, $75 a night for fuel race fuel. Um, we bought two tires at Ocala, which we raced at Putnam. I mean, excuse me, Lake City. I guess North Florida Speedway, you should, I should yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we used them both places, so that was three hundred dollars for both places. So five hundred and fifty, uh, around seven hundred dollars, seven hundred and fifty dollars motel room and all, not counting what we ate. I would think around seven hundred dollars. So, it, it, I just wanted to ask you that, you know, so we kind of get it out there to the folks that don't understand. Maybe, uh, you know, they might hear a guy if he wins. You know, twelve hundred dollar purse, and oh, that's great. You know, not to mention what he put in his car prior to getting there, but just to go there, basically spent um, three quarters of that money. So, what it, yeah, what it cost to get there? Um, the economy is uh, not helping out because of the fuel cost to get there. How much did you say you spent in fuel to get there? Two hundred uh, for the truck. Two hundred, around two hundred fifty dollars. And see, that's get doubled. Get that's, there and get back home. That's doubled in what the last three years. The cost to go do that same trip is doubled. Oh yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. That, that the fuel is so bad. That's what's really bad is the fuel prices to get there. The, the tires have gone up just a little bit, not much, and the, the fuel for the race car has gone up tremendously, also. Right. Yeah, folks, uh, they they don't realize that either. Is that uh. If you're running racing fuel, you're paying $8 a gallon and plus, you know, and uh, what does uh, the alcohol cost now? Um, I'm not sure. I don't run alcohol. Um, I've heard it's up there like around 8 or $9 a gallon also. Or if it was less. I think one guy, we told us it was a, it was a lot less, but you have to use twice as much of it. <laughs> it's, 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 up there. it's up there the same as gas. It used to be like $2 a gallon right. for alcohol, $4 a gallon for racing gas, and, and it's, uh, alcohol is caught up to the gas and they're both way up there eight eight nine dollars a gallon well what what grade you use but about but about going back to the ticket prices you were talking about i was just looking on the internet and um devil's bowl they offer week they race there weekly and every week they offer uh three or four towns in texas free admission every week throughout the whole year it's always different towns but three or four towns per week Throughout the whole year, are admitted free. Well, that's interesting. That's, and then, and then O'Reilly O'Reilly Raceway Park, they have most all of their shows are um, 
pretty good shows and they're packed and they there's twenty dollars to go in the pits ten dollars to go in the grandstands and then i looked at eldora speedway world 100 is forty dollars and you keep your armband is for two days and you go anywhere on the property and field or right. grandstands and that's the eldora 100 that's huge for, that's huge Twenty thousand people there lots of people there you know that that county thing that you were just talking about, uh, promoters, if you're listening out there, that's yeah, that, that's what we're talking about. To draw the people without this, to, and maybe they'll come back. You how, know? how mm-hmm. could that not work if, if, say, John Sapricone offered people from Hillsborough County half-price tickets? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a great idea. And then Citrus County next week and Pasco County the following week, that's mm-hmm. what they do on at Devil's Bowl. You know, if somebody week, comes far enough, you let them go free. Every week for the whole year, and if they like it, they'll go back because then they're going to pay the following week because it ain't their free night. <laughs> oh, okay, so they're actually, yeah, they're letting them in for free. Yeah, that's a great idea. That is a great idea because you could go further and further up counties, let some people yep. in for free, and maybe they'll come back. Maybe, yeah. Um, Roger, uh, we had sort of a dual purpose for calling. Okay. Yeah, um, we wanted to see what you thought about your feelings on... Uh, and the Pandora Jeweler Inside Florida Racing Driver of the Month. What do you think? Congratulations, Roger. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I had to get straight that you had won at least two races because I had to argue with Jack Smith over here, you know, because he's always got the people that he wants to well, put up there. Well, I can actually, I, got, I write everything down, and I race so much that I have to write it down. I have to write what gear I use for each track, and I have to write my results down, and, and I go back to the to that so i can actually tell you what i did please look at the book right now jack just to, <laughs> yeah well just rob, to rob sure. and i argued um in your defense uh against jack so oh there's could, multiple reasons so you could you could receive the september honor because he's probably won my estimation he's probably won about 15 races this year yeah there was many months where rob mm-hmm. roger was uh in the running and that's uh and he's a dog lover dog and he's a dog agrees, lover yeah. so what the hell Roger, have you won 15 races this year yet? Um, no. I thought that you had. I thought that you'd won. Quite I would have. I would. If I, I would have thought so. Yeah. I thought so. No, I've been running that Ken Kenny series. It's pretty hard to. Oh yeah. Well, oh, I, I know you run the modified too, and you you, you make uh, quite a few races. How many races do you think you're going to race this year? Um, man, I wish the year was over. <laughs> what kind of motor? <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Me, me too. I'm probably going to race about. Probably twenty more races before December. What kind of motor? What's your motor deal with the late models? What What do you run? With the late model, I have a three sixty two East Space style motor, aluminum head motor. Yeah. And then I have a crate motor. I'm going to put the crate motor in and run the rest of the season. Yeah. So you'll be using the crate down at Clewiston. Yes, and I'll be using the crate for. Hopefully, I'm going to go to East Bay this week with the crate. Well, let me try try it out before I get to Clewiston. Let me ask this now. I mean, you you wanted late models a lot at, at East Bay and, and around. What what do you think is keeping Roger Krause out of the top uh, top three four there in the in the in the, the United Dirt late model deal? Uh, the racetracks, just going to the racetracks for my first time. Yeah, and the and the the pace of the night is so fast that um, you just can't can't keep up with the car for what you need to do. Yeah, I mean, by the time you warm up, it's time to qualify. And when you get done qualifying, you you got to run your heat race. And if you don't do good in your heat race, the beam aims up. And it, it's just so fast-paced, you can't keep up. And if you've never been there, it's, it's hard. 
but I think if I go back to these, some of these racetracks next year, I'll be doing a lot better, especially Brunswick and uh, maybe Phoenix City. I'll do a lot better there. I'm, it's just Gee. Uh, it's a lot easier. That's I did really good at East Bay last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I'd do good at Lake City, going back there. And I, I would. I wish they would have a race at Tottenham. But yeah. Well, Closton's coming. What, what What about? Uh, do you keep a notebook or something like you keep notes at each track that you go to on the the whole deal? I mean, does it get I down? Never, I never used to until this year. Yeah. Never. I used to a long time ago. Now I quit, and then I've gotten back to doing it. But I, I love Closton. I've won probably. Um, maybe between the three classes, I've probably won one of the three classes every time I've ever been to Lewiston. I've won one of the three. I've won tw- two of the three cu- a couple times. What is Lo- I love Lewiston. What is, what is it about that track that you like? Um, Besides that you do go there. Style of driver, dr- driving, you got to slow down. you got to be patient. And then you can't overdrive them corners. you just got to. Um, That's why he's putting that crate motor in. That's cool too. You know, that's a place. That's one of those places. Mm-hmm. Like coming up here. Uh, what? Uh, I'm looking forward to it. October 25th. And they can go if you go online to the UnitedDirtLateModels.com right now. You can on the very front page. You get the information where you can get ten dollar tickets right now. Right now. Yeah, the, yeah, the tickets are already on sale for that. And that's mm-hmm. a huge event. It's a, it's a little. It's far to go for the people in Georgia, and it's not a very big facility. Got big bugs, man. Hey, then people, then people in Georgia are going to think they're way out in the country when they get there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> down in the swamp, down in the swamps. Of course, man. it's going to be warmer this time there. The last time yes, we were there with fact. the uh, you United know. Dirt Cars, you Nicholas. never know. They might feel at home. They might feel like they're still in Georgia. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Roger, you know, people have good luck after they've been on our show uh, when they go and race. Um, it's really been kind of a crazy thing that it's like an omen. You come on our show, the next big race, you win. Well, I love to win Clouston. I, I was I, I was way disappointed at East Bay. I ran so good in my heat race and mm-hmm. uh, just chose the wrong tires for the feature. And the track, my car got too tight. And me and Keith Nosbich both we were highly disappointed in ourselves for that being at that racetrack. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you one of the most memorable things. I'm sure it's not something that's memorable to you, but. Out of this whole year, I remember you were running, like, really fast. I can't even remember where it was. I'm sure you do. You were running really fast, and you were up on the outside just raking in the cars one after the other. Somebody had spun sideways, and you nailed them, like, full. Yeah, yeah that was the second Ocala race. We took a provision. Yeah. We didn't make it in and um, started last. I, I chose soft tires, and everybody chose hard tires. Yeah, and it made my car look so good, and I passed all the cars. I made it up to fourth, and um, Jordy Nipper spun out. He was running second or third, and uh, I just could not get stopped and hit him. Yeah, but I think that would have been. I, I would have loved to run with Johnny Collins on that night. Yeah, I think you. I think you were there that night, no doubt. Yeah, drivers don't forget those kind of things, Jack. You know why? Because they come with a number with a dollar sign attached to them. Each one of those wrecks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that one cost me five thousand. I remember that one. <laughs> that was a that was a whack though, man. You hit the hell out of it. Yeah, it didn't. It, that wreck didn't hurt my car too bad. But then I went over to Volusia a couple weeks later and it tore up my car. And then we got a new car and we went to um, the first two nights were basically asphalt races at Waycross and Charlotte County. And um, we're getting it. We're getting it going now. It's going good right now. 
Well, I tell you what, you're, you're, I think you're in a better mood now than you were maybe yesterday or, or even earlier today. And, uh, and he's the, the driver of the month. Yeah, these guys right. throwing the Pandora uh, Jewelers Driver of the Month at you. It's got to be a good day for uh, Roger Krause, man. Yeah, it makes me feel a lot better. I appreciate the voting and, uh, and uh, Pandora Driver of the Month. Cool, hey, and uh, remember this, uh, the... Uh, Probably, I know that CC is going to be at close then for sure. Yes, I will. And what will probably happen is hopefully we can get it by then. Yeah. She will yeah. present your plaque to you um, that night. Yes. You bring you out there in the middle of the racetrack. We'll make everybody see it. There you go. Okay. I'll, I'll, um, I'll be glad to accept it. And wear your fanciest driving suit. <laughs> okay. All right. Not Thanks the, uh, so much for joining. Friday and East Bay Saturday this coming up week. All right. Thanks so much, Roger. I'll see you at Clewiston. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Take it easy, Roger. Congratulations. Uh, Roger Krause winning Pandora the September. Pandora Jeweler of the Month for September. Very nice. Pandora Jewelers. That Pandora Jewelers ring that we have, that the lucky person. Have you seen it lately? I haven't seen it lately. <laughs> well, he pawned it. it. He pawned it. <laughs> he pawned it to afford and fuel he, to go to a racetrack. Yeah, he's taking go. the interest off of it, you know, to compound it. Uh, no, hey, we've got, got it. got to do it somehow. Now, just to be fair, really nice you guys had decided that earlier. Yeah, yeah, we decided. Oh, yeah. I was kind of aggravated earlier when I, uh, we, I didn't decide it. It was decided by many of us. Um, actually, like you said, Roger had been in the running before, mm-hmm. and but I was very um, aggravated that we didn't get the response from people like we've been getting. We've been getting a little bit more response, you know, during the months with people at least giving us names of people that they think should be, and. Uh, so it's important, you know. We put it in y'all's hands. We tried to. It's in your hands and the media and, and promoters. It's, and it's easy. You can post something to the forum. You can email myself. That's C-E-C-E at W-I-K-X dot com. You can email Rob. Rob Elting at AOL dot com. R-O-B-E-L-T-I-N-G at AOL dot com. Or you can email Jack. Um yeah. Feedback at Karnak dot no feedback at Real Racing with no G with no G dot com. And yes, you can you can call in. You, they can call in at. Are you shaking your head over there? Okay, no. No, what I was, I was okay nine four one two two eight eight three five nine. But what I was going to say, let's talk about fancy work as we get ready to go to a break here. We're going to come back hmm. with uh, the legend Leo Cleary. Fancy. Yeah, where do you get your driving suits done at? Where fancy, you get your at? fancy work embroidery dot com, and I'll tell you what, I was so happy to have my inside Florida racing jacket that Fancy Work Embroidery made for me Saturday night up at East Bay because the wind was blowing and I was a little, nice that you and one. I, I was so I was chilly and so I wore my inside Florida racing jacket. Well, at the time that I had the jackets made up, you guys didn't want one. I'd like a, I'd like a black one with racing stripes on it. No, I'm sorry, that's. Their inside Florida racing colors are blue and white, but um, fancy work embroidery. I look big, very big in the middle with blue and white. <laughs> fancy work embroidery dot com. Um, Casey Mays. That's a racing family. They want to support your race team. You turn around, you're supporting a racing family when you have them do your fire suits, t-shirts, um, staff shirts, crew shirts, your promotional hats. items, hats, jackets bumper stickers they can print things up with your logo your your car number on it so you can throw it to the stuff to throw out to the fans 
um, stuff that kids would love, stuff you could give to um, sponsors. They can handle everything for you. Just go to fancyworkembroidery.com, and that is fancy with an I, fancyworkembroidery.com. You can go there directly or through the link at insidefloridaracing.com. How do you spell embroidery? E-M-B-R-O-I-D-E-R-Y. That's okay, I guess. I'm a bad spieler. <laughs> did I pass the test? I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you how to spell it. I'm pretty sure I um, did it correctly. If not, uh, I'm sure I'll hear it for Casey. The hey, I'm Truckers excited. 200. I'm going to that. I'm excited. What's the date? That is December 6th, 5th and 6th. I'm going to be up there oh, for no. the big race on the 6th where we will have a uh, lap number 92 will be the C.C. Brooks lap. We've got, we should be having an Inside Florida Racing lap during the race also at the big uh, Charity Truckers 200 race. Looking forward to that. Hey, and when's so the Governor's Cup? November 22nd. And I'm going to that too. I'm You'll excited. be broke. <laughs> You'll be broke at the end of November. Daddy's picking up the tab for that one. Carnac.com, your online racing community since 1997. Carnac.com is racing classifieds, racing photos, racing news, lively racing message boards, chat rooms, multimedia, and so much more. And if your race team or racing business needs a website or your website needs a fire lit under it, look no further than Carnac.com. From affordable web hosting to fancy flash animation, Carnac gets it done. Could you explain to us what you saw? He ran the hell out over him. My God, he didn't give him room to get straightened up. He run him up the corner, turned him down, turned him sideways, and hit him in the wall. Way back by, though, when he drove back by, it was nice of him. And that's, that's the action at Lakeland, USA International Speedway. The funeral lap. Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. Bathroom Stall Dirty Joke Writer. Mr. Bathroom Stall Dirty Joke Writer. Armed with your trusty marker, you do the impossible. Make an incredibly dirty place even dirtier. Scribble it down now. Your jokes make us pee our pants. Lucky for us, they're down around our ankles. Yeah! You answer our most vexing questions. Whatever happened to the man from Nantucket? Oh, that's a good one. So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, old ruler of the rhyme. Because when we're looking for a good time, we call you. Oh, Mr. Bathroom Store, Duty Joe Bud Light Beer, Anheuser St. Louis, Missouri.
Hey guys, let's do radio, man. What do you think? This is Inside okay. Florida Racing. All right, we're back, and we're back. Okay. Yes. Um, we've had one heck of a time trying to hook up with Leo. What we've done, I believe, we might have him on later tonight, but I do believe we're going to reschedule Leo to next week. And, of course, uh, Leo Cleary is a people from the Northeast know uh, well as a modified legend from up that way. And uh, Carol Wicks was going to join us with that, and we talked to her, and I think we're going to reschedule that to next week. So let's get back to talking about this promotion and stuff. What do you think? Are you try to get Terry on the phone? I'm going to do that right now. Okay. Um, promotion and stuff. Marketing. Getting um, the word out there. One of the things that we have seen. Creating a new fan base. Yeah, one of the things we have seen, and every guy we talk, every promoter we talk to that's in the, that works in this game, but what do we say? How many people in a given market area around a racetrack, how much, how many people don't even know? Like I said the other night. There was probably 500, I told somebody this on Saturday night, about 10 o'clock, that there was probably 500 people within the 20-mile radius of Charlotte County Speedway, just picking on that one, that if they knew there was a racetrack there, might have actually been there if they'd have known. Uh, cause you look There's at nothing going on in Charlotte Because you County. look at all of the people who live, I mean, we're talking in a 25-mile radius, you're talking about... I don't know, somewhere around 700,000 people or so. I mean, there's a lot of people. You know, you're talking Fort mm-hmm. Myers, Cape Coral, Northport, Fort Charlotte, Ponta Gorda, you know, and out east. And it's huge. I run into people and all people the time. Don't they, don't, they don't know what's and there. And that's true in every, in Florida, that's true in every single market. Maybe in some places like. Uh, well, I think that these promoters think that because they've got bright lights and they turn them on at night, that people automatically know where they're at. And that's not a fact. You know, uh, the, the only people that know you're there are those people that are coming every week, that are complaining about everything, that, you know, um, at least you should be glad that they're there. But the point is, is that they're the ones that are bringing their own food with them. You know, they're the ones that have figured out the ins and outs. So the best thing to do is to concentrate on getting new people at the racetrack. And that's what I think is that there needs to be a new fan base made. CeCe mm-hmm. just said it a minute ago, a different fan base. And if if I'll have to talk to Bobby and find out what their percentage is of people that come every week. And, you know, we just talked to Peters. He said that he thinks it's about 60 to 70 percent. Well, if that's a fact. There needs to be a whole new fan base that comes in because it shouldn't be that way. It should only be that there's 40% of people that come every week and 60% of new people, a line of people that are wanting to get in that haven't ever been here before. Racing is a big deal. And you can find that out, number out simply by, I mean, it's not simple. There's a little work involved, but if you simply surveyed your people who come into your track maybe for about three or four weeks in a row or every mm-hmm. other week for a few weeks or whatever. You did it for about four Just weeks. Just do it for four weeks in a row. And, and you would, you would get, get a very more. good idea about who exactly is coming to your track 
specifically. You'll know where they're coming from and mm-hmm. and like that. I mean, it, you can know, and you can know how often they're coming in. They'll, I think they'll that's, tell you. I think that is a, a one of the number one things that if there is somebody that their responsibility working for this racetrack is to put people in the seats, yeah. that's something that, that would they be number need one. to know. Number one. I need that's, to know who's coming every that's week. That's the first thing you need to know. That's what the percentage of people are coming yeah. every week? Because that... That's, this goes back right back to if right now everybody's cutting advertising, okay? Everybody's oh, cutting advertising. That's very so, true, yes. so nobody nobody even knows where to go, okay, on, on a Saturday night. They well, don't they, even know what's might, going they on. They might even know, yeah, I've heard about a track down there in Punta Gorda. So they don't now, know exactly where it is, and they don't really know what's happening there and what time it starts. and what to, Because they don't ever uh, read and, anything and about else, it. They don't hear about it. And everybody else is cutting their advertising out. Because they can't afford it either, okay? Mm-hmm. So right now, the magical thing for a guy that owns a racetrack, it's a big weekly venue, a lot bigger than any movie theater ever thought about when it comes to how many seats are there. Now's the time that you need to get your new fan base. You need to do some new strategic now. advertising. Do something different than your weekly show that you're doing every week because I'm telling you, that is what is killing these racetracks, mm-hmm. putting 10 shows of the same I don't want to say crap. Same stuff over same, and over and over. Same over. stuff that yeah. is just redundant. Put some new shows, have one big or two big main events during the month, and, and, and promote it, man. And on, then people will know where it's at. On the phone with us, um, we yes. have a driver who uh, raced in uh, up north, I think. But he's been racing at DeSoto for the last few years, DeSoto Super Speedway in Bradenton. He owns a business in Bradenton. And he's got some pretty... Uh, Strong ideas about, you know, things he sees as a driver and, and as a business person. And uh, welcome to Inside Florida Racing, uh, Terry Leiter. How you doing, Terry? Hi, Terry. Well, I'm doing pretty good. Welcome to the show. Welcome. I'm what, glad to be here. What kind of business do you own? Uh, I own a transmission shop in Ellington. Okay. And as far as racing, I, am, I haven't been racing for the past probably 10 years. I've been retired. I've been owning cars and letting other people drive for me because when you get into my age, other people are a little better driving than what I do. <laughs> oh, so you own cars? Right. I, I haven't drove one for a while, but I just bought me a dirt late model, and I'm going to start driving again. Oh, okay. I thought you were driving. So you've been doing ownership, like owning cars and having other people drive them. Right. I, I built one to drive for myself a couple of years ago, and then I put a boy named Jimmy Best in it, and that was the best thing I ever done. Yeah. You know, and then I just sit back and watch him win everything. Yeah, he's raced enough laps around that track out there that he knows how to get around it. What kind of car is that? Pardon? What kind of car was that? That was a pure stock we ran out there. But he's run he's run late models and everything out there. One yeah, time. he's run limiteds and everything. So when I put him in that car, it was it was a dream come true. So you he ran every week. Forty races had thirty five top three finishes out of it. Running every week. Right. Um, and what? And are you still doing that now? Uh, no, I sold that. Now I bought me a dirt late model. I'm going to start running with the United Dirt Late Models. Oh, very good. You'll like that. Yeah, because they seem to have their act together, and they know how to pull cars, and it, everything seems to be working real good for them. They've done something right because they're pulling a lot of drivers into that class. So you spent uh, many years there either racing or owning a car that was racing at, at DeSoto Speedway, right? Uh, well, not really at DeSoto. Most of my races come from Indiana. We run a dirt track back home in Warsaw, where I come from. I'm 50 years old. I went to my first race when I was one year old and haven't quit going since. 
So how, how long were you re- running at DeSoto? How long were you involved uh, with I, I, I ran my car for two years there. Yeah. And the third year is when we uh, run into some trouble with uh, what was going on there, and we parked our cars and decided to do something different. What, so, kind, of, what kind of trouble? Well, uh, we was dominating again in two different classes, and all of a sudden the rules started to get changed, and certain people that were running in the class against us that kind of was a favorite of the track owner was getting rules changed into their favor to where all of a sudden now we're chasing them trying to catch back up. And we couldn't go by their rules because we didn't run their motor. They come out with this crate motor and a street stock. Well, everybody was running two-barrel carburetors, and then all of a sudden he comes out and says these guys running a crate can run four. There's no advantage to the four-barrel versus a two-barrel. And anybody knows anything about racing knows there's a heck of an advantage to running a four-barrel over a two-barrel. You know, when your car, when you're running, you got the top running car out there running two barrels, and all of a sudden this guy gets to put a four barrel on his car, and he pushes you down a straightaway. You ain't got no chance against him no more. And then all of a sudden we can't keep up now, and we start saying, "Well, put us with the four barrels with our same motors." And no, we can't do that. He told us if we want to run a four barrel, buy a new crate motor. You know, you can't go out and spend another three grand buy a brand new motor just to run a four barrel. Did, did he have? Well, it, it's time to get out of from running there. If they're going to change the rules every week and let these guys do stuff that nobody else can do, there ain't no need to run in there. Yeah, did they try to take a consensus of the actual, uh, you know, racers that were in that class as to what they wanted to do, or they just made the rule? He didn't want to hear about it. It's his way or forget it. All right. Now, you know, he talked to us, and there's only two car, two or three cars that was running that motor that were running four barrels. And of course, they didn't want to put the two barrels back on. But when they were running two barrels, all the cars were competitive. But once they put the four barrels on, them cars were a step ahead of us. I mean, they were faster. We could turn it like a 1640 or 1650. They was running 1620. And that's a big difference. <coughs> so is that the only reason that uh, you stopped racing there? Well, that and we run into a few other arguments with John over some stuff. And it just got to be politics, politics, politics. And we decided, well... It ain't worth it. It's costing too much money. You know, you go there, and we was paying to keep the track open, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, drivers don't pay to run your track. The drivers, you should pay the drivers to come and put a show on for you. The fans are supposed to pay your bills, not the drivers, and that's what's going on over there. It gets to be what costs so much money to race your car. People are parking their cars. All right. Well, I think that there is something to say because I, I mean, I'm a race car driver too, so I'm, I've have been for many years, and you know, I've I've sort of had that same attitude too. That you know, we put on the show; they need to pay us. But you know, the unfortunate thing is, is that as much as we like to say we're professional race car drivers, this is a hobby that we're all doing. Nobody's out here making so much money at it that that's all that they do. Yeah. So if they close, make money at it, but you don't expect to come there on a Saturday night and guarantee you've got to pay $250 and that's only if you buy two tires to run this pure stock class and the only guy that makes $200 is the guy that wins. Right. You know, so I went out there and run 35 races one season, averaged $250 a night to race and if we won, we won $200. If we didn't, we made 125 or something like that. We was losing money, so it was costing too much to race anymore. Right. We spent $10,000 to win a championship and get $800 in a trophy. It just didn't seem feasible. Yeah, and it wouldn't have mattered. The money's not going to make up the difference. That's what, you know, I I told you I was under the same 
thing that you are looking at it the same way, but the uh, the, the the grim reality of the whole thing is is that no matter how much it costs us to go race, and no matter what the return is that you get, if if the track owners don't if the track owners can't make it all work out, okay, there's not going to be any track. And exactly. for you, you're gonna if you're gonna go run the United Dirt Late Mall Challenge Series, so you're gonna go run at twelve or thirteen or fourteen different racetracks next year, all right. over the place. Okay. Right. So, so that's not gonna affect twenty races and not forty. You know, right. There's a big difference there. Cut the races in half. Now you can afford to run them twenty races and afford to travel. You know, there's a big difference. Of course, late models gonna cost me a lot more money. I was gonna say there. I was gonna say there's a big difference. Okay, them twenty races that you got are gonna cost you. Uh, Ten of them are gonna cost you every bit of money that you spent on all forty races racing them other cars. Exactly. You're gonna spend some big money, but um, the 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 um, the consensus that I was trying to get at is that tires up about every other week. You had to buy right side tires, and we said something to him about that. He could have moved it up to a harder tire that would have lasted longer or, you know, cut down the races because some of these guys, like the Bombers and the Beer Stocks, these are guys that are working all week long to make enough money to come and race. Right. And then you race them 40 nights a week. They never get a break. And he, his comment was, well, the Bombers and the Beer Stocks my bread and butter. Right. Well, if they're your bread and butter, treat them like they're your bread right. and butter. Don't treat them like they're on the back burner all the time. And, and I agree that 40 races is ridiculous. Okay, for for any any for any class, if you want to expect to have you know fifteen cars left in that class by the end of the year, right? Three, um, three races a month is a plenty for any class to run. They need to off at least once a month, and that's probably not enough half the time. But he run a street stock. We run twenty five races in a street stock and run thirty seven with the pure stock. You know, he just because the pure stocks had a bigger car count, the bombers had a big car count. So he used them every week to fill the field. But you get one race, no heat races. If you run four, four or five classes every week and then brought a traveling series in once a week, he'd have plenty of cars if he run heat races. There's no traveling series that will come to that racetrack. And money out so far, nobody makes nothing. Hey, you raced in Indiana, right? Yeah. All right. I think Indiana um, is considered in the north. Yeah, yeah, it's north, all right. <laughs> so we did two things in Indiana: you played basketball and you raced cars. That's right. So look, man, one of the things that has been talked about and talked about and talked about is in Florida, the racing season at many tracks goes from March, the beginning of March, and, and actually in some cases it goes from February to November. Exactly. Okay, and you have a points championship. That goes all from March year long. Yeah. And up north in places like Indiana and Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania. We run May to September. Yeah. And some places not even that much, right? And, right. And so you have a much shorter season. It's not as much of a drain. And you know this. How big of a drain it becomes, not just on your pocketbook, putting it out week after week, but the drain on your family, your wife, your kids, the amount of time. Because if you're going to run, you know, you go working on your car during the week. And doing that five months a year is one thing. Doing it nine, ten, eleven months a year looks like it's crazy. 
to yeah, a lot of we've people. We've done up there. We run 14 weeks usually during the summer there. And it it was perfect, you know. And I get down here, and about halfway through the season, I said, man, is this season ever going to get over with? Yeah. And then you get in the middle of summer, and it's 900 degrees out there, you know. You can't hardly stand it. Don't they run more than once a week, though, during the 14-week season that they have up there? Uh, usually, no. Well, we run. We used to run every Saturday night, and then, like, Memorial Day or something like that, if it fell on a Monday, we'd run. And then we'd run on the 4th of July, whatever day that fell on. But other than that, it was usually every Saturday night. But usually there's a track running Friday. There's one running Sunday, and there's one running Saturday. So you could run three nights a week or find somebody to run in the middle of the week. There's usually a lot tra- there's enough tracks up there you can run about anywhere you want it. Yeah. I wonder if they charge them rent when they're under under snow. <laughs> yeah. Well, we went to uh, Plymouth, Indiana on New Year's Eve, and they scraped the snow off the track to run over Jan- on January, and it was freezing out, and they still ran. Well, what you've said is, you know, some of the points that you made is is common to people who come from northern states to race in Florida. There's this, it's a little, it's not a little different, it's a lot different. And it's hot. And it is hot. And it's hard. And, and see, that's part of the drive. Rob, that's part of the driver end of it. It's like, and in most divisions at your local track, the points championship is almost a foregone conclusion by halfway through the season. Huh? Is that true? Uh, sometimes. It depends on how many guys you got running good. Yeah. It depends on how they run their points. Because we ran, we ran up until race 35 before we even clinched the year we ran. And we, like I said, we had 28 top three finishes and was still, we didn't have to run the last race, but it took us till the last race to beat everybody. But a guy who doesn't have as, I mean, the, the, I mean, money does come into it because a guy who might start out running halfway decent in a, in a bomber's class or sportsman or street socks or whatever, he might be start out running halfway decent, but, and he, he's able to compete with the top guys as far as money, but there comes a point where the money does win. Money. Oh, man, there's no doubt about it. You can't keep up with them. Money definitely wins. Yeah, yeah I, I remember when I ran Street Stocks of Sunshine, we ran 40 weeks. Man, I ran every week. And this is something that I used to tell people that wanted to get into racing. I'd tell them, go get you a Street Stock. Run the whole season, okay? And if at the end of that season you still want to race, then you want to be a race car driver because – what it takes to race every race of a 40-week season is a good welder <laughs> and a lot of hard work and some extra cars. But yep. then back to the major point, which is putting people in the front grandstand because, you know, p- drivers like to say without the drivers there's no show. But if you don't have people in the grandstands, you got to have them. That's very, very important. Right. You, you, you can, were out of the room when he you know, made. If you haven't got no cars, you only show up with three limiteds and three street stocks and three uh, sportsmen on a Saturday night. That don't make it here. How many people you put in the grandstands? They're going to be disappointed. They're not going to be in the grandstands. Right. That's true. It Absolutely. has to be a happy median in between because that's what I. He, you weren't in the room, yeah. Jack, when he said it before. Is he said that you know the drivers bring the show. They shouldn't have to pay to you know the drive. And uh, the thing is, the sad truth is, is that. The racetracks don't stay open. We're not going to have anywhere to drive. And so there has to be a happy median in between, okay, what's the proper amount for this class to get the pay structure, okay? What's the proper amount that we should be spending to get in the pits and for our fans to get in the grandstands? And, you know, hopefully 
the track the tracks need to work hard with getting fans in the stands by watching how much they charge to get in. Right now, a big focus that people are doing on everything that we're dealing with in our life right now is everybody's raising the price for everything. And that's only going to last for so much longer, I'm telling you, with everything. Our, our gas prices are only going to be able to go up so much longer, and they're going to have to come back down. The price for bread and, and milk and all that stuff, it's all going to have to come back down. Because the grim reality is all that stuff is only worth so much money. Same thing as a race car driver. Race car drivers, okay, we're only worth so much to that racing promoter. And then the fans are worth so much to that racing promoter. And it is up to the racing promoter, okay, to decide what's going to happen. Am I going to stay in business or am I going to go out of business? Am I going to start catering to my drivers and my fans truthfully? Or am I going to continue just to raise prices on tires and fuel and raise prices on how much it costs to get to the pits and raise prices on how much my fans are going to come, and that's how I'm going to make more money? Well, as, That's it, a problem. As Terry and I talked on the phone the other day, and, and we talked about a lot of these things, one of the things that we, we were talking about there at that point is that there it is a partnership between the drivers and the, the, the owners. And a lot of owners, like, they'll listen to some of the points that, that – like that that terry is making and they don't want to hear it because you know they've heard they just it's just another driver complaining but it's not just another driver complaining because these are the these are the things that many drivers feel and you've got there has to be communication between the owners and their drivers otherwise if the drivers do not feel good if they're going to the track in spite of the owner they're not going to be promoting that track out when they're out and doing their week weekly whatever they do whether it's running a business driving a school bus or whatever they're not going to be doing anything to go out of their way to promote that track if they don't feel like they have a good relationship with the owner so there needs to be that communication between them in order to to make putting people in the grandstands possible exactly and they're also not going to be going out there and promoting for you for free if they've had a bad experience at the track where they've gone in, they've paid a full ticket price, and there was extremely low car counts or, you know, a race that they thought was going to happen drivers doesn't happen. Bring, drivers bring the fans. The drivers yeah, bring the fans. The Without the cars, you got yeah. nothing. I mean, the drivers bring the fans. I know when I race, I got fans that are coming. I got friends of mine that are mm-hmm. coming, and they're going to pay to get in. So it's got to be like that there's, all the way around. There's so. a big part of it. That is a big part of, of putting people in the seats. It's not, I mean. I don't think the drivers are doing Brian My Bloom, is, just to give you an example, Brian Bloom, who was on our show last week, and he mentioned this, and he did it. He he mentioned that he was bringing um, like 100 school, people. Yeah, to, from school. From his school. They bought already 100 tickets for next week's. For the ASA? Or for the ASA race. Up on the 18th. They yeah. already bought. They, so they, they're, there's 100. I was talking to a guy the other night who this past week, or the past weekend before that, he himself put 44, his team put 44 fans in the grandstands that they knew of, that they knew were there because they were there. So so the drivers aren't very important in a dual and they're a role. very important part of the and, whole deal in that regard yeah in in terms of putting people in the front grandstand terry i'll tell you what man we do have to run we have one more guest that we have to talk to tonight i really appreciate you uh taking the time time to talk to us man and uh and 
Hey, good luck with that uh, yeah. dirt late model, man. Yeah, I'll give you one prediction, and everybody can say I'm an idiot and I don't know what I'm talking about. But when it happens, they'll say, well, the boss man knows what's going on. As of next season, at the beginning of the year, I think you'll see a brand-new owner at Kisota Speedway. All right, man. We will hold you to that. On a grape line at that track. Captain. That sounds we, good. We will hold you to that. And, and uh, uh, we'll see you out at a dirt track I'll, I'll And I'll see you soon with a book in my hand. All right. The good book. I'm hoping to make that dirt my late model fly. Talk to you. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right, there you have it. Hey, maybe he'll come down to uh, Closeton on the twenty fifth. Before we'll have it ready then. Before we get our next guest on, on I want to share just a little piece of something here. Yeah. How it came to be that uh, Terry Leiter was on the show with us tonight is Terry had been putting a lot of posts. And this has happened over the years of been doing Carnac. This has happened more often than people might might uh, think. Uh, Terry was putting some posts on the message board, and uh, he was he was getting pretty aggressive about uh, some of the posts that he was putting on that weren't uh, very complimentary of, of some people in the racing community. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, there was a couple of, we get those people who complain when things get a little too much on the message board, and they send us emails. And I don't really read the message boards all that much these days unless somebody brings my attention to something, but this one was brought to my attention. So I called, I tracked down the guy, I said, ask him to call me, send him an email and ask him to call me, whatever. We talked on the phone, and we listened to his complaints for about, we talked back and forth for a while, for about a half hour or so. And, um, you know, after, and it was just simply listening to his, his ideas about things that he was pissed off about, and I just, you know, talk to him and listen to his idea then he was willing to listen some to some other sides of the fence now if i can do that there's no reason that a track owner or promoter or one of his people who was on his staff can't do that very same thing well maybe they'll start listening to our show while we're covering this stuff over the next weeks and uh, figure it out because this is what's important there's nothing else important there's no races that are going to be more important than than keeping these tracks opened up and getting people back in the grandstands at DeSoto Speedway, making sure the grandstands stay full down here at Charlotte County Speedway, putting more people in there because that's a problem at all the racetracks. They're not full. They're not full at uh, at East Bay even. I mean, you know, the Dirt Lake Mall Challenge Series come in there, they're full. Mm-hmm. But we want to be full every week. So I think that's going to take some some unique some unique different things that are going to have to go on at these racetracks to keep people interested every week. And, of course, CC, they must advertise this fact um, to get out to the people out there. And, uh, you know, that's – I really don't see any other way around it. I just uh, – I don't. And I think when they make changes, if they decide to make the changes to ticket prices and slash their ticket prices, um, they should make a big deal about that in – in radio advertising, print advertising, um, flyers, getting it out there because that will, um, you know, that that will look good to the community. By the way, some bozo on a message board not too long ago started, and not our message boards, but some other message board that has all kinds of nonsense on it, started posting crap about how we couldn't possibly have the kind of audiences that I say we do on this show. Well, we happen to own our own, not only our own uh, servers for all of our websites that we manage maintain for other people but we we have our own hosting servers and we also have 
our own streaming media server that we'd have had for about the last eight months, we can have as many people on a show practically as we want. So what we also can do is if there's any racetrack, we do one show right now, we produce a show for Charlotte County Motorsports Park. On, it's done on Friday night by a couple of fans there who decided we made them we made them aware of this thing that we can provide the the streaming for you we can help you set up with the know-how and the equipment to be able to have your own radio show it's not enough it's not done by the speedway staff it's done by a couple of fans who work with speedway and they scott and robert put on a, a show called uh, full throttle friday every friday night from charlotte county we broadcast it on real racing usa we help them archive it we can do that for any racetrack in florida all you have to do is call me and I can help you get it done. You can have your own radio show. It doesn't cost you anything. You can make some, you know, some some inroads with uh, your fans. And um, all you got to do is call me. It's they're, they're, the media is there to be used. And they can call nine four one two two eight eight three five nine. Right. And, and why they wouldn't be, I just don't understand. Yeah. That. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you you know, we we're not going to do the show for you, we, but we can help you get it done, and that's uh, that's what we do. But uh, Dwayne Kelly is another uh, person that we kind of met on the message board uh, and uh, who has some background with uh, dealing with tracks and promoters, and he also is from has experience up north as well as in Florida. Welcome to Inside Florida Racing, Dwayne. Good evening, guys. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Dwayne. Welcome to the show. We're doing great. How are you doing? Hey, we're alive and kicking. It's nice and warm outside, not like it's up north. What is it, about 40 degrees up north, I think, from all you northern folks? <laughs> yeah, well, you're here tonight with uh, C.C. Brooks uh, and uh, Bonehead Rob Elting and myself, Jack Smith. And uh, Rob, uh, Rob, did you want to start this off? What, what, did you, what did you want to know here? What are we doing with Dwayne? Dwayne, why are you on our show tonight? Yeah, what's your background? Well... Honestly, I've been I've been in and out of racing for about twenty. Well, we won't go there, but twenty plus years. Um, I've been a business consultant to several tracks in both the northern states, mid south. Haven't ventured in the south yet. I've been just kind of feeling out everything going on. Um, I've owned quite a few different businesses, and I just keep venturing into different things. So we uh, we keep going with that. Um, I've worked with several short tracks, both asphalt and dirt. So, I mean, I've done some turnarounds and things like that. So, all right. So you're familiar with um, the basic, uh, the yearly costs of running a racetrack. Um, that's one well, of days, regrettably. Yeah. But if I if I remember correctly, I think you've posted something on the forum about like an average breakdown of like what it costs weekly for a track. Yeah, what what I did is one of the gentlemen that that's on there. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. His name is George. Yeah. Um, he and his wife ventured into track ownership. They mm-hmm. were trying to deal and buy a track. Well, he posted something on there. He was trying to get the the racers, I think, to understand and realize that track owners are not necessarily always the bad guy. And he's trying to make them realize that they've got bills too. And and because of my background, because I've you know I've got I do financials and I do turnarounds, in person turnarounds on 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 hand turnarounds. Um, and we kind of went through, and I took like a brief three minute three minute jaunt through some numbers he went and posted through, 
and I tried breaking them down in an easy to understand way for people. Okay. So break them down. Well, like George had posted, I mean, people have to understand, in in the last 10, maybe 12 years, uh, there's huge, huge steps toward very high cost. Um, You're talking, you know, an an average monthly payment for a track. If you've got a sizable down payment, you're talking somewhere in our neighborhood of between four and eight thousand dollars at the minimum. Now you now if it was a regular business, you know where you have overhead coming in, you've got things going out, where you've got customers coming in, customers going out, you just balance things out. But then you have to take in effect all the different other things that you have, i.e., insurance. You have to take care of all the different things. You have to take care of the the food supplies coming in. You have to take care of the labor, the electric bills, and so on. And what it comes down to is is in the times that we're facing right now, track owners and racers really have to get together because short track is a tough place to make a living, let alone pay any bills. And what has to happen is the owners have to get the owners slash promoters. I'm not leaving the promoters out because a lot of times the owners are absentee. So you're getting absentee ownership where they're just getting this monthly check from a promoter. And promoters are trying to get these tracks up and running. What really needs, and, and I'm, we're very fortunate this year because we're getting some changes, and I'm going to give you a quick example. Uh, New Smyrna this year is running town hall meetings, which is kind of neat. It's the first time I believe, and please correct me if anybody knows differently, but I believe it's the first time town hall meetings are held on rules and rule classifications and rules for different divisions in the classes for the tracks to run under fast car, um, which is a good thing because... With the driver's input and the owners working with the drivers, you'll see more cars on the track. And with more cars, people don't understand this, you, you get more fans out there. Joe Blow, Joe Blow, the race car driver that drives the strictly stock that he put together for 300 bucks, comes out and say, well, Uncle Tom and his family's coming out to visit. And, <laughs> excuse me, you have to understand that it's a, big circle and everyone has to work together in this circle um, one of the other things and, and something I've seen in the last several years especially in the short track field is track owners and promoters don't realize that every time they think they're losing money they keep raising their pricing and my apologies folks you probably already covered this night but I had another meeting to go to of for some business, so I missed most of the show this evening until Jack called me. Um, but one of the things is, and I've been in tracks in, let's see, about 14 states now. And tell you the truth, the most successful tracks that I've ever seen in working with tracks, I've, I've, I've worked with and done turnarounds in four states now in different kinds of tracks, both dirt and asphalt. The most successful tracks I've ever seen have kept their entry fees for the fans down. Because that's what pays your bills. No matter how you go about it, that's what pays your bills. The money the drivers bring in is what pays the drivers off. That's what pays the trophies. That's what pays your little stuff. So so what do you think is a good and fair adult ticket price? Honestly, 
if we're looking at honest God everyday weekly price, ten dollars. And I'll give you an example: Volusia Speed Park. And I haven't been up there this year because I've been working with a couple drivers down around New Smyrna and Orlando. Um, I haven't been down, or should say, up there this year. Now I've been told their entry fee is ten dollars every week. They've got stands with lots of folks in there. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's going to be the guaranteed perfect price for everybody. But ten to twelve dollars. I honestly, ten to twelve dollars is at least at least economically right now. Yeah. People aren't making the money they used to make. That's right. Two years ago, people two years ago people made more money. A year and a half ago people made more money. Heck, a year ago people made more money. And what happens is right now and, and this is this is true to any business and, and racing or I should say a race track needs to be considered a business. Mm-hmm. Where it has to make some money to survive. And what happens is this, is I would much, I don't know about anyone else in business, but in all, in 20 plus years of doing business as an employer and as a business owner, tell you the truth, I would rather have a thousand people come in at $10 a head versus 200 at 15 bucks a head. Personal opinion, but I'd rather make that extra money by bringing more fans in because if they get a good show coming in at $10 a head, they're going to come back the next week and spend another $10. Exactly. And honestly, families nowadays can't afford to bring mom, dad at 15, 20 bucks a head, and the two or three or two kids, three kids, and then maybe their neighbors want to go. But guess what? They had a short week because Florida is a, a, is a state that most people are working hourly. And I hate to say it, but they're not working at a big hourly wage either. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is mom and dad would love to go to the races with their two kids, or 2.3, I think is the average now, and maybe they'd like to take their best friends, their neighbors to the races, but guess what? Somebody can't afford it. Well, they all can't well not every it. week, that's for damn They sure. all can't afford it. $100, okay. Not every if week. It, if, if it's $20 to get in, oh. and then you got two kids that you got to pay $15 each for, oh. that's 40 that's 70 bucks right there just to get in, and... People don't have it. It's a minimum of 100 bucks. They'll save the money, take the kids to Chuck E. Cheese's, play a few video games, eat some pizza, and they go home. They don't Mm -hmm. go to the racetrack. Well, they can't afford to. I mean, I'll give you an example. The movie theater's cheaper. Well, not by much because what is it? Well, the movie theater here is like $9.50, and the local track here charges $15 for an adult. All right, Dwayne, here's the deal, man. Track owners owners that, that charge the higher prices... The ones that I've talked to, they basically say they can't afford to charge less. But here's the deal. If you actually work the numbers, if you sit down with a balance sheet and a, prof- a P&L, a profit and loss statement, I will... Go they won't know what that is. <laughs> now, come on, Rob, guys. Be nice, I Rob. Gladly sit down. And I've got guys... I may I may do construction work once in a while, and I may be a racer, but here's the deal, guys. I've got a master's in business, and I will guarantee I will sit down with a track owner for three hours, and I will work in my home on my personal computer for about a day and a half doing a P&L and a profit and loss on $10 admission with advertising budget. 
Yeah. I like the sound of that okay. advertising right. budget. I'm sorry, did I say something? Oh my god, I think I swore advertising and marketing. Oh, one That's one of wonderful. the one of the funniest questions that I like to ask people is uh, who run racetracks is and and I do this. I mean, I I I know it sounds a little like I'm picking on somebody. I'm not. I, you ask what percentage of your gross are you using toward spending towards advertising? And I've never one time had somebody answer that question. That's because they don't know. That's because they don't have a P&L sheet. They don't do it that way. So, so They're if, supposed to. Just like anything else, it's a business. Yeah, I agree. So have you talked? Lose money or make money, it's a business. So have you asked? What's going on? So have you asked Robert uh, Hart? Uh, have you talked to him about, had the opportunity to talk to him about no, any of these? No, I haven't. I've, I've been quiet about it because... Uh, you know, I'm and like I mentioned before, and when I was a business consultant, here's how I worked. I went in as a consumer or as an employee. I went in just say average Joe Blow going into this business as a consumer. Say if it was a golf course or a racetrack I'm working on. I would go in as a golfer or a race fan. And I wouldn't go in for one week because one week you can't get the feel of this. You're going to have to go in for more than one week, maybe two or three weeks. Take a week off because it was a bad week. Go in another week or two. You go in as a consumer, as an employee. You don't start at the top of the chain, you start at the bottom of the chain. You get the feel of the business. That's how you know and understand that things are going on. You go in the stands and you sit there and have a couple beers with Joe Schmo. And I please don't mind my Joe Schmo terminology, but Joe Schmo is the guy who's paying really the bill. Oh, I thought you That's knew him. That's a jerk. It sits down in, in the bottom bottom left row, right? I thought you actually knew him. We have one of those yeah. on our track. That's his name. I'm sorry. Joe is his wife and... and Don't talk about his wife. <laughs> this is a real dude, man. You know, and, and, and by the way, guys, my apologies because I've been called to forward by a few people in my life. But here's the deal. We don't want to talk about your love life. If, if you sit down there and you act like a consumer, you walk in, you pay the admission price, and you say, why isn't there any anybody else in the stands here? Why am I sitting here watching these great cars running around the track? And there's I'm looking at 45 people this way. I'm looking at 100 yards down that way. I'm looking at 150, 200 yards down that way. I'm looking at 100 people down that way. I'm going, what the hell's wrong with this picture? And I'm going, well, hold it here now. Myself? And someone else came to the track, and we just spent 40 bucks to get in this thing. And I just went and bought a beer for myself, and a soda for there, and a, a hamburger, and I just spent nothing. Uh-oh. All right. I think Thanks. we lost him. Thanks for being on Inside Florida Racing. Oh, Thanks, Dwayne. No. That's, that's the way we do it when it gets close <laughs> to the top of the hour. The what computer just cuts them right off. What have we learned today? P&L must have P&L done. And that's I was just uh just ribbing at the track owners. I know they do P&L sheets and stuff like that. And I think that um, it's something that they do need to have somebody mm-hmm. maybe show them a P&L on $10 admissions as opposed to their other admissions and then well the difference is you know we're going to keep talking about this and it's just going to keep going back and forth but the proof is going to be in the pudding and what I would I would challenge each and every uh, track owner and promoter out there that whether you believe us or not, we're consumers. 
All three of us are consumers. People that call in are consumers. You yourself, track owner and promoter, you are a consumer of many items, okay? And of, of those items that you love the best, that you use weekly, okay, if they raise the prices 25%, okay, because let's think about it. If it's 15 and you raise it to 20, what percentage is that? Mm-hmm. Okay? If, and if it's 15 and you raise it to 25 for some special event, that's no extra way to make money. It's just not the way to do it. I would so, like to see the tracks right now that are currently using... Back. $15 is their base adult price to drop it to 10 and try it for 90 well, days and let's see we have and advertise it properly and let's see if it increases well, we have the Dwayne, we have we have Dwayne back to drop it I know we have him back hold on a second hold on a second hold on Dwayne we have him back but he can wait a second <laughs> you, just like they can't raise it 25% I don't think okay, they can down, lower it 25% okay, then to either 12. but a, a few dollars is a perfect start I think that between ten and twelve dollars, between eight and twelve dollars is a good price mm-hmm. in today's society for, to charge somebody to sit in your regular grandstands. Yep. Okay, because I think that as much as they've raised the prices of the food and beverages, that they're going to spend. Each person is not going to spend ten dollars anymore. They're going to spend fifteen dollars because it costs more money to mm-hmm. eat and drink now. What question did you ask Dwayne as he? Flipped off into the netherworld. Sorry about that, guys. I don't even remember, but Dwayne was answering us a question. Yeah. It, it's fine, guys. Tell you the truth, you you hit on a very good point because it it actually, if you sit down and actually do the numbers, sit down and do a real hard numbers on black and white paper. If you lower lower the price of entry, whether it be two dollars or three dollars, and granted, two dollars doesn't seem like a lot. But to the average person who loves to see racing and who loves to see the every week thing where his neighbors arguing out with the other guy on the track, $2 is a lot of money. I don't care where you go, $2 is a huge amount of money because $2 times 2 or 3 or 4, say mom and dad come in, and then what happens is get the kids in there faster. Get the kids as a fan earlier. You drop the price of admission to children under the age of 16 down further yeah you're right the kids will bring the parents because you got to have a parent to come into the track that's right let them in for free let kids under 16 in for free even five bucks no let them in for free leave them you can leave the price where you want if you want to charge 15 dollars for an adult to get in let kids come in for free and watch how many more people will come because that becomes an issue where the parents mm-hmm. can't afford to take their kids and pay that price for them. And what happens is the kid gets in for free, but guess what? They're going to eat, they eat, 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 and eat. They get hungry and they get thirsty. Hey, they'd love to go out there in that fan appreciation spot and see that car because it's cool to see that car. You've got to be able to get people out there. And slowly, thank goodness, track promoters and owners are starting slowly notice I say that again to realize it although it's taking a long time say 10 years ago you could walk in a track for 8 bucks 8 bucks you bought a $2 burger or two fifty cheeseburger and a couple of beers you spent 50 bucks all told for 2 people at the very most nowadays you don't you spend 80 to 100 dollars for 2 people or more and you know what the problem is Without the fans, you don't get drivers. Without the drivers, you don't get the fans. It's a big mix. 
Mm-hmm. That's right, and, and it's right. got to work together. We got to get going, Dwayne. Uh, we really want to thank you for helping to uh, add uh, to to add to the mess that pissed off a few more track owners tonight, <laughs> oh, and well. uh, really appreciate you know it. Life is tough, so deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Really appreciate it, and we'll call on you again. I'm sure. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Thank you. you too. Bye. Uh, track promoters and owners, uh, don't be mad. Um, you guys can keep the prices wherever you want because we it's love you, your man. racetrack. Remember that. We don't own the racetrack. You own the racetrack. What? <laughs> Un- unfortunately for you, you own the racetrack. It's your business. There is a compact that exists, whether you want to do deal with it or not. There is a definitely a partnership that exists between the drivers and the owners of the The track. drivers, the owners, the fans, yeah. the media. It's always a happy median, but Bruh. not with us because we're not very happy today. Right. Hey, that was, I'm happy. That, I'm very happy. Oh, I'm always happy. The, I'm Dolphin, just, the Dolphins win two games in a row for the first time in two years. I'm a happy guy. And tomorrow morning I'll find out if Alabama's still second or not. They should be. They won. They should be. How about you, Cece? Any sports excited you this weekend? I had fun at Crash-O-Rama. Crash-O-Rama watching the cars and boats be destroyed. That made me happy. Where are you going this weekend? This weekend I was planning to go to Charlotte, and I'll probably make it there really late because I've accepted a gig to host a fundraiser for the um, Animal Welfare League of Charlotte County Saturday. I'll probably be at Charlotte County on Saturday, too, for my last. That'll be my last week living in Charlotte County. So, uh, Did you guys hit that stuff? No. I'll have to go okay, over there. Before and, uh, we go, before we go, see Dave Steele got we enough. added one more win to his long list of TBARA wing sprint wins over at New Smyrna this time. Um, surprisingly, they only had 15 cars. I'm a little surprised by that, but Dave Steele won nonetheless. David Wilson went back to DeSoto, won in the Super Late Models again. It's unfair what that young man has been doing this year. Viva Hildgerson won the Queen Bee Hornets at Columbia. I always wanted to be a Queen Bee. I'm telling you. Telling you. Killer B. I'm telling you. They had 21 cars in the mini stock set up at uh, Citrus County. And Clint Foley, who was one of our Pandora. That's right. Drivers of the Month. That's right. He was. Uh, he won 20 cars. That's a pretty good deal there. Uh, mini stocks. Doug Moff uh, won. Won the uh, modified race. No, I think. Was that modified? Modified at, that, at Charlotte. At Charlotte. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking that was late models, but yeah. you're right. It is models. And uh, Kevin Henry uh, won the truck race at New Smyrna. They had 15 trucks in the show. Can I tell Wayne Jefferson that he was almost close to winning the driver of the month this month? Yeah, Wayne. Wayne was. Uh, he's been close all year. The poor guy. I know. That's what he just wanted to hear. I'm sure. What are you talking about? <laughs> We're gonna have to bring know, back that like... transvestite thing. Lord. About him and John, yeah. Oh, my back. goodness. After, when we get out of here, we're going to have a replay of last week's Dirt World show, which is, of course, on every Wednesday night with Joe Dirt and Billy the Kid. That's uh, We're going to replay last week's show. And um, Ed Otto is going to talk about his dad working with Bill France to start NASCAR. And Leo Cleary will be on next week? Yes. yes. Uh, At the top of the hour with Mike Peters following and Mike Cope, a rare interview with Mike Cope, and uh, this is going to be a rare interview indeed. That's right. So all you Bronson folks out there, you wrote me, a few of you wrote me. I even got some stuff on my MySpace about it. 
I've had more people write to me about Bronson and their racetrack being selling. So I expect that we hear something from you folks when we have Mike on next week. Send us questions. If you got something. questions, you're like, go ahead. Um, hey, speaking of MySpace, you can get it through get to me through my 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 MySpace, which is just go don't to, get excited. <laughs> it's just just find me by going to CC Brooks. What is wrong with you? Brooks. iTunes. And iTunes. We are now up on iTunes. Just go do a search for Inside Florida Racing, and you will find or, us. Or Real Racing USA. Yeah. How about that? And you can always email me either through my MySpace or get a hold of me at cece at wikx.com. Yeah, we wore this one out. Yeah, folks, I uh, appreciate you listening tonight. Those of you that are listening, uh, those of you that tuned in and downloaded it during the week, well, try listening live. It's just always better live. I don't know. And participate. Yeah, use the telephone, message board, whatever. Um, Inside Florida Racing, uh, same time next week. Um, wow. Say goodnight, Rob. Good night, Rob. Don't be contemplating crime.